0: Ficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Jute Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Welcome everyone to Season 6 of Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing the Season 6 finale of Game of Thrones titled Winds of Winter. With no spoiler, her, her, her. Yeah, you get it. <laughs> I'm Chooch, and as always, I'm joined by Christiana Ellis. Hello. Vivid Muse. Hi there. And Nutty Nook just in a moment. She was on just a moment ago, but then she got a uh, spinning beach ball. Not a, very happy,
1: not a happy beach ball.
0: Ooh. Peach
1: balls should always be happy.
0: (laughs) Give her a moment to jump back in. Um, News bits. I don't think we have any news. We don't have any. Certainly don't have any. I don't don't have any series news for the show itself. Towards the end, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, what's coming up for us, which. after this is released, I will be releasing the Balticon episode
2: Yay. that's Yay. been
0: waiting. Mm-hmm. And we've got uh, an episode with uh, Viv and I that's going to be going over Viv's notes. We'll be recording that and releasing that soon.
2: <laughs>
0: and, of course, our finale episode. So we are going to take a couple weeks off before we do our finale episode. I think that's where we landed. That yeah. We're not going to be able to do it next week. So right. that's where the Balticon episode will come out. <clears throat> so in a couple weeks, and I know I said that last year, and I said that the year before, and it took six months to nine months, but I promise, 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 it will be less than a month.
3: <laughs> the echo makes and, you sound extra sincere, honey.
0: Right. <laughs> I've said it four times, because it's, well, it's probably the many times I've promised before. But, yeah. And then we have the special episodes we've talked about. So um, the uh, Balticon episode was the, the What If cast, and so we've had some more What Ifs pop up We're definitely going to do another one of those. Um, And we were talking about doing the. uh, We were talking about doing talking about the different houses and doing specialized episodes on that. Mm -hmm. And I think we may end up not doing that because there was somebody else already did it better, and we may just reference that. Mm -hmm. But we were talking about possibly doing a series of some science based. Westeros thing, so um, actual scientists <laughs> talking about how things would work in that world. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, um, there was some really great articles about that and we're getting in touch with some of the writers of those said articles and see if we can bring that for you this summer as we're waiting for Season 7. Yeah. Um, oh, so uh, we have mentioned... I know we've mentioned Viv and I watch um Seth Meyers occasionally. Yes. Very funny talk show. <clears throat> and
3: great guests.
0: Yeah. And he had a clip that actually got went pretty widespread um because it was Game of Thrones related go figure. <laughs> um and I've got a one one short snippet. So <clears throat> what it was was Seth Meyers was not able to watch the episode live
2: because he was
0: doing something else for some reason. And (laughs) he said he usually likes to watch the show and read Leslie Jones' tweets. So Leslie Jones is on SNL. She's in the new Ghostbusters. Mm -hmm. And he loves her comments. So since he wasn't able to do it live, he got her to come watch the show with him as he watches it for the first time. And so this was episode 9 Right. I wanted to play one of her commentaries. And, uh, oh my God! Warning: she does get a little spirited. And okay, this is what's upsetting me. I love you, Recon. I, I love you, and I'm just gonna say this. But you need to zigzag. Get moving!
2: Go out! Let him shoot
0: the arrow in you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you know, I'm serpentine. serpentine.
2: That's what I'm saying. I, what's serpentine? I, what is
0: that? Is that a white game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, zigzag. It's zigzag. Just say zigzag. <laughs> oh, rat bastard. rat bastard. Rat bastard. That the arrow went right through him too, son. <laughs> right through him, like a shish She's on my team, zigzag.
3: <laughs> 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 she doesn't even want to bother with serpentine. Just so say zigzag. <laughs>
0: Um, she had some just amazing observations during that recording. And Seth really didn't comment much. He was pretty much just rolling and laughing the whole time. She she broke him quite a few times.
3: I mean, the Battle of the Bastards was a pretty powerful episode, and then add her, Adela being her comedy. I don't know how he stayed sane from laughing and mm-hmm. crying and, oh, and shock and horror and mm. It was really good. Yeah. That whole clip is good. If anybody hasn't seen it yet, it seems impossible, but it is that good, so watch <laughs> it. There was a little bit of news. Well, it's more like confirmation of confirmation of confirmations that we've already gotten that the original show length was intended to be between 70 to 75 episodes, and right now the plan is um, seven episodes next season, in epi- uh, season seven. And it's looking like six episodes in season eight. So it's looking like they are admitting that they're coming in at 73 episodes total for the series. (laughs) Sob! And I'm now... Chooch and I were talking earlier. He has an infographic. I don't know if you're going to show it. But it's part of the conversation because, I mean, there's... To me, there's three different kinds of, of conversations that you have with the infographic, which is basically... Almost looks like a spirograph thing between um, Targaryens and Jon Snow. And it was released by HBO's Game of Thrones, so mm-hmm. it's not saying that it's true to the books or anything like that, but it led to a conversation about well, well they didn't it led to a whole nother conversation on what they said on the show, what they said what they what, they, what we don't know from the books, yeah. what we know well, from articles and all this other stuff. And so it was almost like when infographics give you too much info, it's fodder. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Take we'll about it now or
0: talk about it when it's plot relevant.
1: Yeah, we'll get to that scene in the in the episode, but what I will just say is that that scene is kind of just inexplicable to me because it's just a case of okay.
3: So surely well, there's going to be... So- okay, I was really referencing the infographic. I didn't I mean to bring a conversation without Nutty because I know that she's going to have a lot to say yeah. about that scene, too. Mm-hmm. I'm just... Yeah. yeah it's true. So, and she still hasn't popped up, and she hasn't. we haven't gotten any more word from her. Yeah. Should we, um, should we just start with discussing the episode? Yeah. Oh, hey, hey. And yeah. there she is. You summoned her. I did. I summoned Nutty from the
1: north. <laughs> Welcome back.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I was I was watching you guys on YouTube, so I, I missed maybe like you know. uh, <laughs> uh, We were
3: mainly vamping. <laughs> yeah, no.
4: Sorry about that. My computer just decided mm. to give me a spinning beach ball and then I couldn't force quit and I had to force reboot the entire system. So
3: it's it was your turn, was honey. We've all had my turn. fun yeah. this season.
1: Well, in any case, whatever I was going to say about the infographic, um, let I think is is best saved for when we talk about the irrelevant scene anyway. So.
0: Cool. Cool. Um, like we so frequently do, <clears throat> I was going to shuffle things up a little bit, and I wanted to start off with the twins, <clears throat> uh, when we've got know, party like a Frey Lannister party. <laughs> yeah. <they're>, uh, <laughs> that never doesn't go anywhere good. But <laughs> basically we got Walter Frey patting themselves on the backs. He's uh just such in all his douchebag finery
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. just mm-hmm.
0: so proud of himself. And uh the Braun upset that all the women just fall over Jamie without him even trying because he's completely preoccupied and like Mm -hmm. wanting to get home and like, let's get this over with.
1: Did you guys catch who it was uh, making eyes at Jamie the first time?
4: Second
0: watch, yep.
4: Yeah, the the (laughs) first time, when I watched it, I'm thinking, hmm, is she from Dorne? You know, like I was very suspicious of the serving person, but I did not know who it was Mm -hmm. when when I first saw it
1: what so obviously for anyone who who didn't notice we don't need to be coy about it yeah. it was the same serving girl that yeah. shows up later with some pies mm. um and uh, uh but i mean we we can come to that later if we're still talking mm-hmm. about this first scene um yeah. although i feel like that whole first scene other than just giving Ron some fun lines really i think was almost the scene existed to do two basic things, was just set up, okay, Jamie's back at the twins, they're celebrating having retaken River Run, but also, literally, just to – I actually, I take that back. I was going to say maybe the scene was for having that sort of bit where she looks at him and then moves on. But then again, I I doubt that was really why, because I think most people aren't going to necessarily even catch it. So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, otherwise I think that scene is really less about important things happening in the scene as much as just reestablishing what's the dynamic left between these characters.
3: Yeah, it was um really interesting to hear Walter's description of himself being so similar. Like, yo, Jamie, you and me, we're like the same guy. We both seen Kings cry for their life and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, it was it it. I think um knowing it on rewatch to watch for the serving girl. Um, when we when we watched it a second time and then spotting her, I think it was. Damned, terrifying, knowing that it was her as she's staring down Jamie Lannister, mm-hmm. knowing who he is, and when you know you've just heard him say, Walder Frey just said, you know, the the um, the Lannisters and the Freys send their regret. Ha ha ha! We killed Some those tarts. Goes, yeah. And mm-hmm. so now you know that she heard all that too, and she mm-hmm. still is able to stay focused and not go for the easy kill with Jamie. Mm-hmm. And I think it showed so much control on her part because she saw that. It seemed to me that she knew that Frey was the one that really needed, if she, if she could have mm-hmm. been caught, if she had gone for Jamie before Walder.
1: Right. Well, because it, this whole thing raised the question for me, and I'll go more into this in a little bit, but it's worth noting, Jamie is not on her list. Nope.
4: Mm. Never has been. Nope. Because nope. she doesn't mm-hmm. know he pushed Bran. Had she known that, he'd definitely be on the list.
3: (laughs) That
1: would be list worthy for sure. But what
3: what Frey does tell us, though, is he does tell us that Ed Muir is back in his cell, so they didn't kill him. He's still alive. The heir for River Run is... There's still Mm -hmm. an heir for River Run. Um, Along with his son, um, the Blackfish is allegedly confirmed dead, but I think we all agreed that he was dead in that last scene in the other episode. Jamie points out, very beautifully, in the only way Jamie can, that Walder was never a warrior, mm-hmm. meanwhile he's you know bragging about not having to be one in order to be successful, and then when he draws the line, the comparison between the two of them it's just magical the way Jamie puts him in his place and says, you know we we left you in control of it, but if you can't hold it, and we have to keep coming back anyways <laughs> you know I thought there was a lot of really um interesting stuff in that scene,
0: the yeah, I need you for I it think the bit- Go ahead.
4: Oh, sorry. Uh, I think that Jamie can handle the insults people throw at him. I think that he can handle people calling him a Kingslayer and, you know, all the other things, Uh, Oathbreaker and all of that. But to have Walder Frey say, you and me, we're the same, buddy, that was like the biggest (laughs) insult that Jamie could have received. Exactly. And you can see for the first time he is offended. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, when I heard that, the the whole scene to me reinforced what what just a piece of garbage Frey is for one, mm. and how pretty much everybody hates him. Now um, you can tell Jamie's just fed up and really wants to go home. Uh, and then the his line, which I did do, recording. What does the
2: matter? Here we are now,
3: two Kingslayers. We know what it's like to have them grovel to our faces and snigger behind our backs. We don't mind, do we? Fear is a marvelous thing.
0: Just before Jamie puts the shutdown on him. Um, but it oh, yeah. very much reminded me of Parks and Recreation. There's, uh, the main character, Leslie, gets pulled into this thing where there's a painting done, and it clearly looks like her with exposed breasts, but she's a centaur. <laughs> And there's this debate on whether it's pornography or not, and they have. Uh, she's joined on the news to talk about it. Fantastic. Now, this painting right here, art or pornography? Per, I think this whole debate is ridiculous. What Leslie and I
2: do is obviously art. Oh. H- hang on. Um, there's a big difference between a, a, an oil painting of a Greek myth and a pornographic movie. It's okay, Leslie. I got this one.
4: What Leslie and I want people to know is, you should be able to have sex anywhere you want
0: and show it. <laughs> Just, I like yeah. all I could see was that scene when I heard him Frey talking to Jamie. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's definitely... the Frey's whole thing has been that he's like, oh, people are always looking down on us and mocking us and... And the, like that's been like his defining personality trait since he was introduced. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like that was the whole thing when we're getting, you know, some advance warning about him from Catelyn as Rob is preparing to, you know, go in there and hope to cross the the, the bridge. Basically, Catelyn is saying, don't offend him because right. he's really easy to offend, and he will hold a grudge like nobody's business. That's basically like this first description we get of him. And then sure enough, but I I like that the kind of the context of Jamie's comment is basically Yeah, uh, people call me Kingslayer because I slay the king. People make fun of you because you suck. (laughs) So it's not really the same thing.
4: Yeah. Yeah. You didn't actually stab Rob in the heart. Yeah. You didn't actually kill anyone. You just told people to.
1: You had your son slit the throat of a of a an unarmed woman. Yep. Well, I guess technically she had just slit someone else's throat. So yeah, she was but armed. there the whole thing I think we can still <laughs> No, she had yeah. she had she had dropped the knife. Yeah, she dropped it, right, right, right. But it's <clears> also <throat> like I don't think we're giving anybody any credit there. That's not <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah.
4: You, you um, don't get to kill cat and get away with it. Let's no. just say that.
1: Um, but yeah, so the 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 idea that Frey had done anything except betray someone he had sworn loyalty to in exchange for perceived financial and uh, um, power rewards, and then f- was proven unable to actually manage that power. Mm-hmm. And then wants to sit back with a glass of wine and say, best buddies, right? And Jamie's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, it's like... Loser. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like we you are on our side only by virtue of what you are able to do for us, and that's proving to be not very much. So... Yep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So... So then
0: he gets chummy with the waitress.
1: Well, one thing we should probably just briefly observe is that it seems that Jamie left before all that went down and so probably doesn't know Mm -hmm.
0: about it. Ah, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that.
1: Well, I mean, we don't see directly, but nobody else is around and Walder seems to only be interested in where his sons are, so that sounds to me like the Lannisters have decamped
0: Things wound down, and yeah. I guess I would assume you would wait until daylight, but Jamie really wanted to get well, out of there, and he did get things landing Even
1: nice, though so. it was dark in the room, what he said is, where are my sons? They said they'd be back by midday. So even uh, though it's dark in the room, I think it is gotcha. actually daytime.
0: All right. Interesting. As it's brekkies. Wow. So, uh... Pretty quickly, find out where his sons <laughs> are. Yeah, <laughs> they're here,
1: my lord. So, I was, I was fascinated. For so, this scene I think provoked the biggest reaction of the episode for me, um, in the sense that first of all, as soon as she said, brought in a pie and said, "They're here, my lord," I was just like yes what mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like because without getting into the details of how it's different in the books Frey pie is a thing in the books and so mm. when they bring that in like I had not put two and two together at all I know some people say they did and maybe they did fine I didn't um, but when I saw that I was like they're doing fray pie but they giving it to what some random girl that we don't know that's weird That's weird why is this happening I mean, I guess I don't mind it, but what? And then, pulls off, and I'm like, and I, like, my instinctive reaction, I reached out with both hands and just, like, seized my two couch throw pillows in my hand and just held them up like this while I was watching the rest of the scene, just go.
4: As soon as she said, but they're here, my lord, I knew it was coming because I had read the books, and this is a plot line. That I, another one of these plot lines that I figured it's never happening because they've diverged so much Mm -hmm. and we've passed when it actually happened. There's no way this could possibly happen. And it's, I actually like this better in the show than in the books because in the books it's so like Mm. cryptic and you really have to read it like 1,500 times to really see where it happened. And this is just kind of wild. But I kind of knew it was Arya before she ripped off the mask. Mm. But that's because I was. Yeah. You know, like, all right, who is it? It's got to be. It can't just be a random person. This isn't a This is. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So what did when, you. Think, oh, go ahead, Shooch. Yeah, I want to oh, hear yours. Once
0: I realized what was in the pie, I realized it was Arya. Yeah. That they're here. What do you mean they're here? in the room went, oh, they're. Oh, that's. And then. They um, just executed it perfectly. Executed it perfectly, you know. <laughs> just the timing was so great because mm-hmm. all the gears were turning at the same time and there it happened and it was just whoop, 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 whoop. And we were watching uh, with a group of people and mm-hmm. everybody was pretty floored, you know. Yeah.
3: Well, it was funny. I was sitting there and as soon as she said they're here and pointed at the pie, I didn't know it was Aria yet. I'll admit it. I, I was fooled. Yeah. And... Um, as soon as she moved to lift it, I was like, "Nope," and I turned my head all the way to like, <laughs> like 180 <laughs> degrees around, and um, I was like, "Nope," and I was just waiting until it sounded like whatever they were going to show was done, and then everybody in the room goes, "Ah!" and and my and our friend goes, "Look! Look! Look!" and I so I just blindly trusted her, and I looked, and it, Aria had already pulled off her face, but it was just her standing there, stabby, 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 and it was like oh my god, so I had to watch it like two times when we got home.
0: <laughs> that smile.
3: Yeah, that I, same um, smile like Sansa had when um, Ramsay was in with the hounds. It's that same mm-hmm. long drawn out smile. We have saw it somewhere else in the episode at least two more times too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I, I feel
1: like the whole pie bit to me felt a little bit forced not that I mind terribly but I it did feel out of place to me and a way to so a popular plot point from the book that couldn't fit in the story the way it happened in the book so they wanted to not lose it altogether and therefore they put it here which is a fine place to do it, I guess. Except that I just sort of feel like Arya wants revenge. She served that... him a hot pie full of revenge. I mean,
2: that
3: was kind oh, yeah, of like to, bringing to back, to back the hot guys, guy.
1: But to, to to kill two of the sons that weren't specifically on her list—sure, they're bad. Okay, they're fine. But we didn't. She didn't have any direct connection to them. But um, she heard to in kill the room that carve them up. <laughs> and serve them in a pie like that just that felt like over the top beyond just she's going to get her revenge by killing him but that felt over the top and gruesome in a way that felt out of character to me not in an extreme way but in a nitpicky way and i like i only i only mention it just because i feel like this would not have happened if they weren't trying to include a plot point from the books that couldn't happen the way it did in the books. So
4: so you feel that it's kind of shoehorned? Yes. I can see that. I can see that. I think that um, I think including it is a really fun thing that they did. Um, I could probably sit here and nitpick all of the, you know, why would she know of those specific ones and all of that nonsense. But because she was in the room when
3: they were talking about it earlier, maybe?
4: Yeah, but she would have had to have done this beforehand because they've been eating pie all day. But, uh, but I'm not too concerned about it. Like, I mean, okay, she heard stuff, whatever. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm not too picky on it. What I do like, and <clears throat> this is something a little bit more from the books, is that there's many levels of evil. Uh, according to the customs of the seven and the old gods and so forth and these old traditions. You know, in the first books, we hear a lot of, make sure you eat when you talk to Walder Frey because then you have to have his protection, you know, and all of those ancient customs. Well, one of the most egregious things a person can do is to to kill someone of their own kin. Mm Mm-hmm. And then to eat someone of your own kin is so much worse. So not only did she kill him, but she basically made him completely unpure and tortured and and just nothing the gods would want anything to do with before dying. Now I don't think that she's a very devout person, but it's just kind of like a cultural in-your-face kind of a thing. It's, I'm not just going to kill you, I'm going to destroy you completely. And I kind of dig that. Yeah, I, mm. <laughs> I. I don't want why are not part of that. It's just. Yeah. I don't yeah. We're stop. not
3: gonna agree on this, and it's okay. We don't well. have to agree on this. We all have our different opinions, okay, and we still love each other. And no one's right, I'm, no one's wrong, because they're opinions. That's. I can I. I was just. I wasn't gonna tell anyone they were wrong. I was just explaining. <laughs> I was, was already girl. muted, honey. Go ahead and okay. say. Okay.
1: Um, So I don't want to make it seem like I'm overly negative on it Mm because, I mean, like I said already that this scene got, like, the biggest reaction from from me out of the whole episode. But kind of like with my nitpick with it and yet still liking the scene and the direction it's taking the character in, it's become evident over the course of this season and this episode that the show is evolving and maybe it's because of moving past the original source material maybe there's something else evolved too but the show is shifting and and what I feel like we're losing is some uh, consistency of character some of the poetry and elegance in the small moments and the character motivations what we are gaining is spectacle which is nice so I don't want to make it sound like this is an all bad change I, I, I like a lot of the things that are happening we're getting a lot more plot momentum we're getting big things happen it's exciting especially when we compare it to some seasons which felt slow and drawn out and so but it's more just an observation that in the interest of propelling the plot forward and giving lots of big moments I feel like what starts to slip is having the characters motivations always make sense having the logistics of situations be coherent and and that's so this is where I just felt like again it's like it's exciting but I felt like I had to suspend my disbelief that this is what Arya would do. Mm. You know, Because and and maybe and I'm biased in this case by having known the plot point from the books because it, it allowed me to know, oh, they took this thing that was from somewhere else in the story and they gave it to Arya, and that probably made it feel more shoehorned for me than it might have for someone who had
3: no idea. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but... Um, uh, I- but. So, Chooch, what did you think about the scene as far as Christiana's objections? Because neither one of us knew that this was coming.
0: Um, I, I just rolled with it. <laughs> it did seem a little extreme, for sure. And I was partially, you know, I was in shock, and then I was kind of partially laughing in the back of my head because the whole South Park, Cartman feeds... Yep. Yeah. I mean, this to his, his parents, to him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just rolled with it. Yeah.
3: I felt it, like it some. was, and
0: the smile on her face after it we're during was a little, a little disturbing.
3: I felt like it was believable. I didn't read about it in the book. I'm. I may have been too happy to see it happen to think that it's a net to to nitpick it I don't really see anything that's unbelievable she served uh, she was a serving wench before she knows the easiest way to get into a place is through the kitchen baking something would get her there knowing about the hospitality rules of not feeding someone that you're gonna slaughter under your home and that the phrase didn't honor that the Red Wedding I thought it was all um, really I thought it was very aria and I thought there was some artistry to it as well so sorry
2: okay mm,
0: interesting yeah the hospitality uh, interesting any other twinsy twinsy-frazy
1: um, well the only other thing that uh, I I was spurred to look up after this was that since obviously she's back on the on doing the list thing um, given some previous discussions about whether she cared about the list still or not, um, I I thought it would be interesting to just look up and remind everybody who was on the list. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, who was on the list, and we're going to go ahead and cross off anyone who has already been removed from the list. (laughs) So, who remains on the list? Cersei, because of, um, you know, what she did to Ned. Um... Ill and Payne for beheading Ned.
4: Yep. Uh, and and, the, and Lady. Uh,
1: that's well the, the article I read didn't uh, didn't mention that. Oh but, okay. Um, uh, so the mountain, Gregor the Mountain Clagane for torturing and killing people at went at Heron Hall when Arya was there. The Hound for killing Micah the butcher's boy, but that one's complicated. She had removed him from the list, or did she? Um, she does not at this moment know that he is uh, still alive. She mm-hmm. presumably assumed he was going to die. Um, but here's where it gets interesting the last three names on the list Melisandra, Beric Dondarian, and Thoros of Mir,
2: which oh, wow. is where
1: the hound is right now. <laughs> Interesting. And Melisandre heading south from Castle Black, I honestly, I think the most logical place for her to go from a storytelling perspective is to hook up with Brotherhood Without Banners.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then that just... And with Arya at the twins, it just seems like that's a good way to get some characters together. Um, <laughs> if, if anyone doesn't remember, the reason for uh, those people being on the list was because Beric... Dondarian and Thoros of Mir sold Gendry to Melisandre for his royal blood, which she used to do her leech spell.
0: And lucky for him, that's all she did.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Thank yeah, you to Davos. Helped
0: him escape, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So so that's, that's who remains on Arya's list. Um, and, it, and we'll have to see as the story progresses whether she's really specifically focused only on the people that were on the list, or is she more just in a broader scope trying now to, you know, fight the, her family's enemies? You know what I mean? Is yeah. like, Is it about the list, or is it about fighting the enemies?
0: Is that Which just is a not target of theory. opportunity on the way to Winterfell?
1: <laughs> well, I think Walter Frey certainly would fall into both
2: categories.
0: <laughs> Let's jump over to King's Landing, the main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bulk of the episode, so to speak. With a really, really interesting, uh, totally different way of doing things that that light musical refrain kind of going through its Mm -hmm. open the episode with uh, the Red Keep and the Sept, Mm -hmm. and everybody's getting dressed for the trials getting in all their finest and Mm -hmm. everybody filing in and getting Loris ready and cleaned up
1: Oh, um, I'm sorry, one one thing back from the previous scene, Paulette in um, Q&A said, uh, I guess this brings to an end the question of whether Arya finished her training because obviously she was mm. able to pull off the face, um, which I think is just kind of another example of the storytelling being a little sloppy in the sense of it was really yeah. never clear whether she knew how to do that or could do it on her own or what. Mm-hmm. So clearly she can. So I'm kind of glad to know that now, but it's they really never established that in the story. No.
0: And probably holding it back for a what the fuck moment like this, you know. Specific.
1: And then uh, uh, Maris Myers says, uh, "I loved every minute of that scene. Go Arya!" <laughs> Yay, hey Maris. Um, yeah. So sorry. So, okay. So yeah, you were. I you were this saying that scene you...
0: was really, really effective. It was mm-hmm. really, really changed the tone of just everything, and it was. The the scenery, the clothes, the, the huge scenes, the sept and everything was just
2: mm-hmm.
0: beautiful. It just worked so well and pretty much knew, you know, something bad was going to happen. I think we all had a feeling this is pretty exactly what was going to happen, other than mm-hmm. I thought she'd blow up the whole city, not just the sept.
1: <laughs> I was kind of there too, and actually in my first watch I couldn't help but feel a little bit uh Uh, there's a little bit of an undercurrent of feeling underwhelmed just because I had sort of envisioned it being even bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I mean that's that's on me and my expectation not on anything about the story and in fact when I rewatched it it was you know like I liked it the first time but felt like oh I thought it was going to be even bigger and so there's that but watching it the second time it's what they choose to do is so effective.
0: Yeah. And uh, cutting in the the actual action, Loris does not win a trial. He just ups and confesses everything. Um, I was a little shocked.
4: I think Marjorie um, was shocked too.
0: I was going to say it,
4: but doesn't it seemed like it was the plan. Does
0: that now mean that she perjured herself? But probably. When her sins were wiped, you know, all of her past sins were wiped clean. So even if she did perjure herself, I'm guessing they're going to overlook it.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Well, I think that she's, remember, she's already confessed to her crimes because she only got to do she, to skip the Walk of Atonement because of um, Tommen intervening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think they may have still been planning to have a trial, um, but I think that what they would probably have made the case for is that she's already, she's already on the good side and therefore is pretty much off the hook. Um, I don't know, as far as, like, this is another case where it, they, it was, I'm kind of unfortunate that it was never made all that clear what exactly her plan was. Although mm-hmm. my takeaway from this after everything is that it was really not a complicated plan. It was just fake the conversion and try to get the best deal we can while understanding that the best deal may still suck. Mm-hmm. And so I think we saw her object not to anything that happened up until. So up until they did the the brand on his forehead, that mm-hmm. was the thing that she goes and says, "You gave me your word," and he's like, "What? Well, my word? I didn't. I never said that I wouldn't carve a seven pointed star on <laughs> her head." Um, Yeah, I hate that guy. He's always
0: easily like that.
1: Yeah, Um, but it really did seem to me like uh, you know, like what happens at the end really just she she drops the act altogether, which makes me think, yeah, it it was always an act, and she's just good at the act, and it was always about anything that will have Loras not die.
4: She doesn't mm-hmm. even seem that interested in her father, you know, mm-hmm. like when things start to get hairy. She's really not that concerned about him. It's just getting Loris out of there.
1: Yeah. I mean, to some extent, like as much as she loves him and does not want him to suffer the punishment of this, he did do it, right? <laughs> and so it's not really on her that he got busted for doing something that, you know, he really actually did do. Like, right. we could say it's unfair, the punishment is not, you know, it, like, it's, un, you know, unreasonable and cruel punishment, he shouldn't be getting prosecuted, but, at, like, beyond a certain point, he knew how it was seen, and, like, he did do it. So to some extent, I think she's letting herself off the hook a little bit. Yeah. Um, and there is an element for her, I think, of we don't want him to die and we would like him to preserve his title but that looks like that's off the table I don't see any way to make that happen so let's at least try to get him out of the dungeon and be a free man even if he had to say he renounces his title and once we get him back to Highgarden who knows what we can work with hmm um, and I think that was probably the plan is do what you got to do to get him out of the dungeon and that's why when he did the permanent you've mutilated him that's why she, that's what she objected to she didn't mm-hmm. seem to have any problem with Loris saying anything his yep. words don't mean very much to her yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I just thought, Grandma's not going to be very happy. Was,
2: yeah.
0: He just swore to no heirs and all that. But if they just ignore it and figure that, okay, she's still the queen. They'll get out of this. They'll figure out a way to separate church and state again and roll on.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she still had hope. I, the things that I really loved about the, um, the beginning scenes in King's Landing was... The dressing, everybody starting out the episode, starting out with everybody showing their different aspects. To me, I think it was representative of the different aspects of the seven. Like, you know, Marjorie Mm -hmm. comes off as both the maiden and the mother somehow because she's always kind of looked out for everybody, but also part warrior because she fights so hard for her brother. And then, like, you know, the father, uh, or I mean the high sparrow, putting on his garb and um, um, Tommen... I never really could pick an aspect that I felt like he belonged to, which is why I think he just didn't fit in with the rest of his family, is that he wasn't somebody that was defined by any one thing. He wasn't defined by anything yet, other than loving his mother and his wife. Mm -hmm. Um, And then seeing Pysel putting on his forged chains and... And and all of those things I thought were really a beautiful lead into. Well, one thing it reminded me of Cersei's prophecy, as I'm sure it did everyone else, that Tommen was wearing gold um, when he was dressing to go to the trial, mm. and um, that um, Cersei had given up on the Lannister gold and red. She'd given up on whatever colors Baratheon had and that sigil, and she just was wearing all black and she looked to me with the crown that she ended up wearing later, it reminded it like my husband and I, we joke every once in a while, you know you go through hard times, ah well we've just, you know, we're Valyrian steel now mm-hmm. and I think that if there was any way to present herself as, okay, fuckers. <laughs> I've been through fires, and I've st- I've kept standing. I've buried a husband and three children and a father, and I fuck my brother, <laughs> hmm. and I'm going to take the throne, and y'all are going to be too scared to do anything, and I thought that all of that leading in with the dressing, and at first it was like, is she mourning Marcella, or is it taking on the aspect of like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to burn this fucker down and I'm a villain. And it certainly turned out to be the second one. I'm sure she still mourns Marcella, but mm-hmm. um, I think that she really just wanted everything to burn and she had already written off Tom in her mind because of the prophecy and just was taking what she... I mean, she said it in the last scene with Jamie that all that mattered was the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, I thought it was almost too beautiful a moment for the High Sparrow to have, like, just the entire force of the black uh, of the fire, the fire, wildfire come through him and, like, get everybody. You know what I mean? It was like yeah. it had to be, like, an insane... Okay, it was over immediately, but it looked amazing. And it was really sad. To, I mean, I'm glad that they took the time to do it because they finally had the Sept of Baylor looking the way that I'd always imagined it from... Descriptions in the book, like you could see the feet of the sculptures, the statues of the different seven, and it was that was all I needed. I didn't even need to see the rest of the of the statues. I'd been waiting to see them, and they they really presented them really lovely. And um, I did look up Profligate. I figured a lot of people were looking at Profligate, and it doesn't have any. Um, any sexual overtones at all. It just implies recklessly wasting your money on extravagant luxury, which everybody in there did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think, um, you know, I really, really, really hated the child assassins that came and popped out. I'll say that real quick because I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> um, but I honestly, the look on Loris's face right before they did the carving and, you know, that whole ha- that whole thing happened, it was like really, 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 really hoping that he believed what he was saying and the actions that he was taking and that, like, how how beautiful it would be for him who's been tortured pretty much since he came on the show that in the moments before his death, he felt the most pure and the most honest and the more cleansed, I guess. And there aren't very many people in that room that could have said the same thing. See,
1: I had a very different read of that. Um, because I felt like his sins, as they were, were like, he's gay. Like, I don't, I feel like...
3: i don't want to debate about what the sins are or or anything like that, but I just thought that he had, I mean, I don't agree with the sins. I don't, I don't think that he should have been there for why he was there. I didn't know we were going to talk about that point. I was just saying, I was for that character, Loris. Mm -hmm. On a personal level, if you take away the politics and the gnarly, um, not gnarly, the disgusting, loathsome aspect that Mm -hmm. those laws break, as far as humanity is concerned versus religion, um, I think looking at it as a person that that's... The well, least I, burden that his eyes has have looked in a really long time. Mm. I
1: didn't I didn't mean to Im- Im- imply that that you thought that was worthy of uh, of torture or something. I I my my only difference was like I didn't read it as him feeling unburdened. I read it as him having been broken. And it's kind of like when like one of the problems with torture as an interrogation technique is that after a while, people will tell you anything just so you'll stop. And when you stop, they're happy because you stopped. And that's what it felt like to me. Right.
3: And, and, and he was happy because they stopped. Well, but that doesn't mean
1: he feels unburdened or pure.
3: I'm just saying they stopped and that's the happiest I've seen him look and I'm glad it happened right before he died.
1: Okay, I don't I don't mean to be like challenging you. I just read it differently.
3: Hmm.
1: I
0: found it just such a pity that he had to go through all that bullshit just to get blown up.
4: Yeah, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. just mean <laughs> it, it it it's one of the things that has been really bothering me about this storyline is um you know, the very one-sided nature of this, and I know I've brought it up in the past, it's like, you know, Jamie doesn't get punished for any of the things he's done, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, no, no, the only male to get anything, any sort of anything, is a guy that sleeps with men. So it's like, okay, so apparently, if you sleep with men, you are deserving of punishment according to the sparrows, you know, and... It's uh, it's it's been very frustrating, and and it it it's kind of sad because one of the things that I did, even though we didn't get um, as much of Loris in the show as we did in the books, uh, if you think back to season one, you know how happy he was with Renly. It's like, oh mm-hmm. so it's it's such a shame that it came to this. But at the same time, um, I can kind of see like after Renly, like Loris just he just wasn't the same anyway like what did he have left well but i mean
1: i remember him trying to make nice with cersei when they were supposed oh, yeah. to get married last season like i i feel like he he was kind of dumb but he yeah. seemed like a good guy oh yeah um <laughs> he definitely was not Careful in uh, as as careful as he should have been given what he knew, but at the same time, it seemed like it had been an open secret for a long time, and so he was just not that worried about it until Cersei unleashed the Faith Militant, which made it a big deal in a different situation all of a sudden.
2: Nobody Um, knew
0: fanatics were going to be coming to town, and it was going to become a problem. It was just not deal before. Mm
1: Hmm. Um, So I, I. I didn't necessarily feel super bad for Loras here only just because he'd been kind of a non-character all season just through being in the dungeon and not really having anything to do. But I tell you what really kind of bummed me out was the loss of Marjorie. just because, like, I'm not criticizing the show, this is not a complaint, it's more just a matter of... There was so much more interesting stuff that we could have seen with Marjorie, mm-hmm. and I was so pissed at the High Sparrow because Marjorie figured it out, and she tried to leave, and the High Sparrow was like,
2: I totally agree. Uh-uh,
0: everybody stay. Yeah. Uh. He just kind of froze.
2: Yeah. Well, he it believed in like him. It
0: looked like he was... Yeah. It looked for a minute like he was, okay, maybe we should leave, but wait, they're blocking the doors, and he just didn't know what to do
3: about it. He just looked confused. Yeah. It was like his mind couldn't grasp the scale of evil, and Marjorie could. But
2: yeah,
3: yeah, I feel the same way about Marjorie. I'm gonna miss all the stories that we could have had, because I finally did go back and look, and that that flower, the rose that she drew for Elena, had two thorns on it, and I thought, <laughs> you know, that was kind of cool. But now, now it's got Olena with a whole other agenda, which is gonna be real interesting to see play mm-hmm. out. But um yeah. one thing another thing that I really loved about the scene in the Sept before it gone blowed up was um finally, you know, when they started carving on Loris's head and finally seeing Mace take any action in defense of his son. Mm-hmm. Lord, he leapt forward and he was like, Not that's something like something along the lines of that's not happening. I can't let that and Marjorie stops him and says, you know, you know, let the faith do its thing or trust in the faith or some bullshit like that. Faith is the
1: way, I think. Faith is the way, yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. But it was just like, thank God that before he died, Loris got to hear his daddy say, not Mm -hmm. my son, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That had to be pretty cool, but good for me.
1: Yeah, no, I agree completely. Um, I think one of the things that was so amazing about this whole sequence is how they gave so many characters a moment. You know, we got we got stuff from Loras, from Marjorie, from Mace, from Lancel, from the High Sparrow, you know, uh Kyburn, Picel, um, uh, you know, Gregor and Tom and like everybody's getting something to do. I think the only person who uh is a character of significance who died without really getting to do much was actually Kevin, which is kind of just typical of his whole character.
2: This
1: (laughs) It's really kind of bizarre to me, honestly, that a character that really should be, like, I mean, the importance that his character has in the books and that by any logical basis should have in the show too just became nothing. He just didn't do anything. Which I is didn't weird. figure
3: out why he was there when Tommen wasn't. I mean, it turned out, you know, good thing you didn't lose the hand and the king at the same time, but, I mean, it just was weird. He was like he was randomly planted him in the audience almost next to Mace, and not like randomly. I know he would have been there, but it just as the hand of the king seemed weird to me that he'd be there without Tommen.
4: Well, I think... Um each of the small council, they were making their way there. I mean, Pycelle was on his way there, Mm -hmm. and he didn't quite make it, Um, and Tommen was probably supposed to have been there already, but Mm -hmm. he he was working up his nerve to go because, I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. he was filled with so much dread. And then when he tries to go, he can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I, I think
1: everybody was supposed to be there. They didn't all necessarily... Plan to travel together, which is
4: kind of stupid. Having each head of your state in one place at the same time, you know, there's a reason why we don't do that in the states. That does (laughs) I don't
1: that doesn't seem like it's a thing here though. I mean, I don't think that I mean because the plan was everybody was supposed to be there.
4: Yes, no, I know. I'm just I'm, I'm (laughs) you know, that's why in the states you you don't have uh, Congress, the president, the vice president, and the Supreme Court ever meet in the same place. Like, there's actually something mm-hmm. saying that
0: they can't do that. So. Birds mm-hmm. um, luring Icel want... to the showdown was creepy.
4: Yeah. Wow. There, there
0: not was that like... everything with Kai Bourbon isn't already creepy, but. Hey. Varus did not treat little birds like that. I'm sure of it.
2: Mm. Yeah. It, they
0: it, were not trained.
4: It felt <laughs> very um, like. Okay. I'm trying to get my words.
2: <laughs> so.
4: <laughs> I think that. Varys' little birds are capable of those things, but that felt so personal to me. Almost like those kids had it in form and that it was his just desserts, but we had not seen Pycelle mistreating or doing anything to anyone other than his whores so I um, I was wondering
0: if they were victims because there were a couple of young ladies that looked like maybe they may have been oh, were there but I' had never seen him head? with boys or never yeah. saw that implied that he was with boys
4: yeah it just it it felt so personal to me I'm like did did I miss something so I actually went and I did some research I'm like is there a plot there no there isn't mm. I think that as far as the kids were concerned I
1: thought they were just trying to to, they're just playing the creepy kid trope. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't because, like, if anyone had an actual would have a personal thing, it would be Kiburn. Except he straight up says, "Look, dude, nothing personal, yeah. but you're right. in my way, and so I got to clear you out of the way. Meet these creepy kids, and so nice. I, I, like, <laughs> it's personal to Pyzel in the sense that they're murdering him which right. is kind of always <laughs>
3: I mean I, that's the only thing that I've been able to come to is that there's just it's the irony of kids that he used to you know pay in some way for secrets wasn't he starting to do no, that? No
1: that was Varys yeah. that Varys, was Varys and Qyburn, Qyburn was taking it
3: over, it over. and know. it was Baelish was the other person that was able to get his little mm-hmm. secrets too Okay. yeah I don't freaking know Pysell. I sell, no, it just it honestly, it just honestly seems like what you said, it just seems like creepy kid trope. What how else are we gonna kill Picel in a shocking way with all this other stuff going on?
2: Yeah.
1: Um I thought it was interesting that and in character for Kyburn that he would avoid getting his own hands dirty. Mm-hmm. That, I that see seemed that. in character. Um and uh I think I mean, we should also remember that, like, Pysel was probably not, like, an overtly evil character, but he certainly would just lean whichever way the wind was blowing at any given moment and didn't seem to have any particular scruples. Yes. Yeah, Um, extremely selfish, for sure. Yeah, including doing things when he knew full well that honorable people were going to die as a result.
4: Well, and he was involved in the whole, like, he, It is quite believed that he knows and knew uh, back with John Aaron uh, that Cersei's kids were not Roberts. Uh, mm-hmm. He knew the details of uh, Ned Stark's whole thing, knows that he was not a traitor, knows all of that information, and just went with the Lannisters. Mm hmm. So there is that implication that he is not honorable because he is so deceptive. And then he ends up turning on Cersei and turning on the Lannisters that he's been helping out this entire time. So, you know,
3: sketchy Mm -hmm. as sketchy goes.
1: Yeah, he just basically sides with whoever he thinks is going to be the winning side. Mm
3: -hmm. Paulette asks an interesting question in the Q&A, which is something that I had a lot of notes about in mine. My notes. Um, she says, What happened to Tom and was the big shocker of the episode for me? If Cersei had chosen to be with him when the sept blew, might he have survived? And it was, that was a long, I was kind of haunted every time I watched it, trying to figure out, okay, where was she instead of with her son while she. You know, she was watching it blow up by herself with a glass of wine from her own balcony, smiling. From mm-hmm. there, she went down to the basement for that wonderful, loving moment re- of uniting Olenna and Sir Gregor in whatever unholy godness is going to go on down there. Bunela, yeah. I think. Sorry. Unella, I sorry. You know. Yeah. But like, it's, and then she does that, and then she's seeing dead Tommen. So it's it was the only thing that you can come to is that she must have just written him off like, the prophecy says he's going to die, my other two kids are already dead, it's getting to be inconvenient to worry about them, so I'm just going to put on my morning clothes now and we'll see who's left at the end of the day because she really just did not seem to care. And then she turns around and says, oh, you know, we don't need a ceremony, he should be buried with his grandfather and his siblings just burn him and dump his ashes. She had totally given up on motherhood at that point. She just turned... I don't know how she did it and I don't know how to read it any other way. I mean, is there any defense for Cersei the mother? For Thomas?
1: I wouldn't put it as defense for her as a mother as much as maybe just a slight reframing in terms of what she was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean what she does is inexcusable as a mother so I mean there that's I I think that's hard to even really debate um, but what the what I was assuming was the reason she wasn't with him when it happened and the reason she didn't go to him immediately when it happened is because she knew she had crossed a line that he would not be okay with she didn't expect him to throw himself out the window but I think she was not prepared to answer for herself because she knew in her heart that all of these horrible things that she's previously done with the comfort in her heart of knowing that it was always for her children always to protect her children and I think she knew she was crossing the line where this was for her and not for him and that he would not be okay with it and I think that she wasn't prepared to answer for herself and that's why she didn't she wasn't with him when it happened and I think that you know her whole speech about Unella, about doing things because they feel good yeah she was avoiding something that wouldn't feel good and Mm -hmm. enjoying the things that did and then I think I I think to some extent she had adopted kind of a fatalistic approach to yeah. prophecy. But I, I don't know that she had written him off in the sense that like she didn't feel anything about it. It's more just a matter of like it seems almost as though it had already happened.
3: Yeah, it, it's as if she planned it that way because the mountain stayed there, or Sir Gregor, they never call him the mountain anymore really I guess, but Sir Gregor stayed in the room and as soon as it was done the fire was done and the sept was collapsing it was after that he left Tom alone Mm -hmm. and then a little while later someone came in and told him that everybody was dead and then left Mm -hmm. him alone so he was alone that entire time from the time it started happening until whenever he jumped out the window which didn't seem like much time passed but um, it was totally alone and she would have had to have chosen not to be with him and also not to have someone there with him. I mean, if she hadn't already given up on him, she would have had anyone stay with him to make sure he didn't hurt himself or to make sure no one else harmed him. But she seemed to be more focused on uh, rewarding Sir Gregor. So,
4: I see this very differently. Um, I think we all see this differently from each other. Uh, To me, I think that uh, Cersei wasn't with Tommen because... She had kind of already lost him. He had already pushed her out. Um, He was not working in her best interest. So, you know, they had been very separated. So I think she wasn't with him during this time because she knew that there was that awkwardness and there would be questions and all of that. I don't think in her mind it ever occurred to her that he would just jump out the window and kill himself. Like, I thought... I think that she was thinking this is the way I'm going to get my son back I think she was deeply upset and deeply cared about the fact that he passed but she held it all inside because she has to be strong she has to by the way I think this is the first time uh, that we've seen her drink wine again this season I think she's not drank wine and I could be wrong but I was noticing her, you know, getting dressed in that really awesome dress with the little chain thing that was great. And uh and she takes a drink of wine and in my head I'm thinking, you know, I think that's the first time I saw her drink wine this season. And she's k- kind of finally getting back to being Cersei and and being strong in all of this and not breaking down and so she, you know, she sees her son has died. And it deeply moves her, but she's not. She can't show that. She's she can't allow that anymore. And when she says, you know, burn him and put him with his his siblings and his grandfather, that to me also speaks volumes because, you know, the, he should be with his family, with the people that actually cared about him and that he cared about. Um, I I think that. Uh, I think Cersei was feeling a lot. She's just holding it all in. I I agree
1: with that. Um, like the whole thing about burying him where the Sept once stood, that, that definitely didn't feel to me like like, oh, just dump him. That felt to me like there's not a single other person in this city that I care about what they have to say. I don't want to have a big state funeral where I have to be in front of other people grieving for my son I want this to be private and just for me and then he'll be with the other people that I did uh, care about Uh, you know my other two children my father and and that's what it felt like to me And, and it wasn't like about the sept because she's certainly not very devout or anything but I think it was more about it's right in tune with keeping all of her emotions in, like like you're saying, where she wants she wants it to be just for her, and not a big thing to let the city mourn. She wants like no, just just keep it here, and it's just for me, and it's I'll know, and 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 I think she does kind of hate what she's done but she recognizes that that it's you know this this is on her she made a big move and it resulted in this but now she has no one and like so Jamie's coming back but I think she there the ambiguous look that they exchange when he shows back up like I watched it really carefully the second time through and I think it's very ambiguous so they could take it in any direction that they want but what I got from it on the second viewing is she is trying to basically shut off all emotion because she she can't allow a crack uh, you know she this is she has uh, you know this future may be terrible but it's the one she chose and she's going to follow through with it by god you know she she's the one in power now and he, and the cost has been incredibly high so she is not going to allow anything to take it away from her now including her own uh, emotions and then when she sees Jamie i think that there's there is mostly a recognition that like with Tommen he's not going to approve but because he has said in the past you know I would kill every single person in this world it's all about you and me I think that there's this tiny tinge of hope of maybe he'll be okay and then his look is solid just disapproval no little glint in the eye at all and she then hurt so I feel like she has just the tiniest Flicker micro expression of like Jamie, and he just shuts her down, stone face, and, she, and then so she settles back down into the. This is what I have chosen.
4: I I feel like that look is like the the nail in the coffin for their ship. Like it's it's over. Um, but I think that just might be me being wishful.
3: I can't I can't really decide how much import or even what they were really trying to convey in their looks, because he was learning a whole lot. He came up and the Sept was burning. He found out that his son was dead, and that, you know, now she's on the throne. But um, and, and just very briefly on Cersei, very, very briefly, I think that that's one of the things that I attribute her costume change from Lannister or Bar- Bar- Baratheon to having that... That uh, Valerian steel look to it. I think the fucking motherhood has been burned and forged out of her in the Valerian making process. I, I would be shocked if there was anything left because I know it's a different situation, but for someone that doesn't seem to believe in an afterlife, like she doesn't seem to believe in anything other than fucking her brother and wearing the crown, um, that I just don't think she. I, I, I didn't see any emotion in her face. I didn't see her trying to hide it. There wasn't a tear glistening in her eye. I kept pausing it and trying to see it. And and that's what I meant, the defense of her as a mother is like, had she already like given up on Tom and wasn't even going to try. And I think, I think even stuff that you guys have said makes me feel more that she did. Um, that she had finally as a part of becoming her own and claiming things for herself it was always either her father or her husband or her uncle or her first son or her second son that was deciding the things that she was trying to rule and she's just got all of them out of the way now and so I think part of the process to let her do that that let her end her son's marriage and break him I think that that is more like shows that there's no empathy left in her I didn't really read any feelings I may have probably missed it but I didn't really see anything go back and forth between her and Jamie so I really I'm really listening closely to you guys read because I did I it just looked like dead eyes to dead eyes like do, can I trust you I don't know can I trust you I don't know it was just I didn't I couldn't quite get the hang of that that vibe they were passing so
4: yeah. what did you guys think of um, Loris uh, not Laura, sorry, Lancel uh, being like, you know, his his killing where they took him aside and 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 let him like see what was happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you think that there was like, I don't know, any significance to that? Uh, why was that scene there? That sort of thing.
1: I, I just felt like it was interesting cinematically. It let us the viewers see what mm-hmm. was going on underground. Um, And it gave us a little bit more dramatic tension to have a character be trying to stop it but unable to. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that there's any particular, like, poetry to it being Lancel in particular. Um, But I I felt like the scene was there really just to add some tension um, and drama to showing us what was happening underneath the sept.
0: Hmm. A whole lot of. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
3: honey! Oh Thanks for that earworm. Sure.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I thought so. My note, at least with Cersei, uh, getting the news about Tommen or seeing Tommen, is that she looked totally unfazed, and I think once she planned to do what she. Plan to do, and things were obviously set in motion. She picked that outfit before learning Tommen was dead. You know, that <clears throat> I think she had resolved after Elena said, you know, face that you've lost, and all that. And they got the news that the wildfire was there that mm-hmm. she had resolved to, she can't look out for everybody anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was the inflection point. And I. I, I believe it'll be, in her mind, it's her against the world. Jamie can come along for the ride.
1: <laughs> <Basically>. <laughs> That's a good point. This is her off. Yeah. We'll have no
0: problem cutting them loose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I felt like it, it. it's somewhat of a... It's a combination of some of the things that have already been said because, I, like, I don't think that she... I'm I'm not going as far as as what Viv was saying in the sense of having written off Tommen but what it felt like to me is she did make a decision that she knew was for her and not for him. She didn't realize that it would literally cost you know take him away from her completely Mm -hmm. and I, I think it was more of a matter she made a selfish choice and then found out afterwards that the cost was Higher than she expected, but she remained committed to her choice because there was no turning back. Um, and I think that's that's how it read to me. I don't think she ever, ever, even remotely considered the idea that he would kill himself mm-hmm. because that she would never think of doing that to herself. So, well, like I take well, that back. There the was one,
3: that example. I mean, when when. Well, the bla- the battle of the blackwater the example that he had was sitting on the throne and mommy was about to poison him and people came in so i don't know how old he was because they recast him i think after that um, and i don't even know if it matters but i mean she i don't know i guess i guess i i guess i'm just missing seeing like choosing a decision that is going to kill his wife and the future that he thought he had and was building with the faith Um, and then leaving him totally alone when all he's had is either Marjorie or his mom. I think that that was a decision that she made in leaving him alone and just left him behind because I can't imagine any other reason why and you can make the argument of he should lie with his relatives and all that stuff, but it's still basically just somebody that's going to go dump a little stack of ashes on the rubble where the Sept was. I don't think Cersei's going to go attend any kind of a service in private there. Well,
1: okay. I, I feel like that's not what I said, but
3: okay.
4: No, that was a, that's what I said, so, you know, <laughs> she's responding um, to me there. That's all good. Yeah. All
1: right. All right. I, I feel like we're not actually diverging that much, but we're using language like mm-hmm. we're disagreeing with each other when we're actually saying ninety-five percent the same thing. <laughs> so, um, uh,
4: it there are a couple of things that um, I've I've seen, and I uh, some of them I kind of ad- liked. Uh, there was one meme. And it was, This is how uh, Cersei Lannister separates church and state. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. And uh, so then there's the question of is this how this storyline is going to end in the books? And personally, I feel that this is not how the storyline is going to go in the books. This is uh, basically the show going, you know what, that storyline's really long and boring and we don't have the time, so. <laughs> Um, but I could see Cersei doing something really, really rash, so, you know, I, I'm not sure, I personally don't think this is what's going to happen in the books, and I'm curious what you guys think. Do you think this is divergent, or do you think this is something we will see in the books?
0: No clue for me.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, not really any clue for me either. I, I'm, since I stopped at book four, I, I don't know how far we've already diverged, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, I without getting into book spoilers, I mean, to talk about what's different in the book about the the situation that might lead to different stories, I I don't know how much we want to get into that, but um, I I feel like I could see it going this way in in the books. I mean, to some extent, it's a little bit like running a sword through the Miranes, not in the sense that um. <laughs> uh, nice. you, you you take a lot of possible ongoing plot threads and complications and just blowing them all up, like you know, and that's part of why it hurts to have Marjorie die is we could just foresee so many interesting things happening, continuing to happen with her character if she wasn't blown up, um, and so it's kind of a definitive end there. But at the same time, I feel like where we have Cersei left at the end of the books without you know that we've seen up to this point. Again, without going into exactly what's different.
3: Thank you. I'm saving to read the books until yeah, after the series fine, is fine. done. <laughs> so but where
1: we've where we've left her is feeling very chastened after her Walk of Atonement. Feeling like people are driving her out of power even more than ever before like, they, like they're like they not even willing to even listen to or talk to her anymore but something happens right at the very end of book 5 um, that leaves her with potentially it, it, she, something significant happens and she has an opportunity to respond to it that I could see leading to what we see here um, because the trial is still to come, excuse me, The um, it's it's a little different in terms of like what she's on trial for and what Marjorie is on trial for is a little different um, in the books. But I mean, we for all we know, like, you know, in the books, people were certainly still expecting the whole trial by combat angle to happen. Um, and so the whole angle of Marjorie, Posing as converted and getting Tommen to go in on that, like that's, like I, that feels to me like something that won't happen in the books, like that. But the idea of something just getting blowed up really good to kind of end that storyline and move to the next phase, I could see that happening.
3: One of the conversations that we were having earlier, Chuch and I, was, okay, so this is how we think the show would handle this, except for the fact that now we know there's only, you know, as we've seen confirmed in a couple places, 13 episodes left. So there's like, the infographic conversation sparked a whole thing that's like, yeah, but if there's only 13 episodes left, then are they Uh even going to be able to fit that into the story? So it's like changing the way I would normally predict the show to go, knowing that it's nearing its end.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So do some more condensing. Well, that's the hard thing to say. Do they even need to? <laughs> um, one of the crazy things. Not crazy things. Um uh, the the mountain. So he actually takes off his helmet and looks better than I thought he would. There's a lot of shadows going on, but Mm
2: -hmm.
0: looked a little stretchy, but look,
4: you know, didn't even think he looked all that blue. I honestly thought there was no head under there. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was like a (laughs) pumpkin or something. I don't know.
0: (laughs) We did the pause and and you know slow-mo forward and back a little bit because for a moment we thought is that that dwarf's head? Because it looked kind of stretchy and like. Remember when really Cersei, head.
3: when Cersei had put that that um, bounty yeah. on Tyrion, and they brought ah, in a dwarf's yeah. head. Yeah, yeah. It was like, did they Carbon. stretch that dwarf's head really? <laughs> <It's>
1: so gross. I guess I just wasn't. Uh, I, I I don't. I never questioned that it was Gregor Clegane's head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean he didn't get his head cut off. I so I'm not sure.
0: Yeah. It just but it was so much shadow that it looked and he moved really fast that at first it was just really kinda of hard to get a focus on it. And then when we looked at it, oh no, no, he looks pretty normal. But
3: well, wouldn't it just being, be interesting for Kyburn to sew a dwarf head onto the mountain though? I'm I mean just because he didn't have to doesn't mean Kyburn it wasn't beyond the scope of things, is why we backed it up. I guess.
1: <laughs> right. No, I mean, like, I don't think it's beyond Kyburn to do something like that. I just, it, given what he was doing with the mountain, why, why would he? They still call him Gregor Clegane.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The answer to that, you know, I mean, it certainly was a funny looking. His his face looked all messed up. His head looked weird. That's for sure.
0: And when Cersei kind of brings him in and says, you know, to the Septa, I was like, that's like some Bride of Frankenstein shit. Is Are they going to give the body to Kyburn when she passes or is about to pass? Mm-hmm. She's really tall. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so are you thinking Bride of the Mountain there? Yeah. yeah
0: <laughs> they could go even... Crazier places with that if they chose
2: to.
4: <laughs> yeah. So Next before season. we move on, uh, I did want to read some of the Q and A that we've got. Um, Paulette said uh, she loved Cersei's transformation into a Disney villain. All she needed was a basket of apples. Mm-hmm. I giggled at that. Uh, we have a longtime listener, first time live watcher, eagle Eye Josh here. Uh, hello, Josh. Uh, and he says, any thoughts on the dark side of Varys' little birds now that they work for Kyburn? Varys has stated that he believes children to be innocents, but those little innocents had a lot of knives for Pycelle. That's a really good point. I think uh, maybe maybe that whole scene was about um, the fact that maybe Kyburn has corrupted them? I don't know. It,
0: yeah, it, it's, it's I been cannot odd. imagine yeah. that they were like that under Varys, that, yeah. Yeah, the way he is.
1: Well, so the only caveat I'll add to that is that something not the same but similar does happen in the books with the little birds under Varys' direction. Ah, okay. So it's, it's I, I think, I, honestly, I, I did not see it as out of turn. I mean, I, I think it's it's dark to be sure, but mm-hmm. I think part of the benefit of that approach is it's a little bit like the assassination of Caesar in the sense that because it's so many people stabbing, no one of them feels like, well, it was me. Mm. It was a group thing. All I did was a couple of stabs. I don't know, was that it? No, I'm not saying that they're going to go right. sleep well after that necessarily. It's not that it's okay. I just didn't, you know, I Varus is eminently Pragmatic. I do not think that (laughs) he would see this. He would see it as distasteful, perhaps, but not off the table.
4: Yeah. And um, uh, Tibby, who actually wrote on our event page, wants to know: um, uh, Did what happened to Tommen seem like karmic payback for Bran, you know, going out of the window and everything?
0: It's kind of poetic, yeah. They <laughs>
3: did just do a callback this season where Jamie, <clears throat> sorry, where Jamie or, or Cersei mm. comments on that and says the things you do for love. Yep. So yeah. I kind of had the same kind of shiver down my spine. It was just goddamn Cersei. Mm. <laughs> you brought this on yourself, woman.
4: <laughs> mm. All right, where to next?
0: Anything else in King's Landing? So, yeah, last thing for me is just the the just the scope of it. There's obviously all these main characters dying, all these, the entire small council and all that, all mm-hmm. these common people, but the mix of people that were at the Sept, you know, these are the business leaders. Like, the whole economy, the religion's gone, the whole economy's going to tank, like, mm-hmm. yeah. There's not going to be much to rule. It was much more the, the whole Baelish would rather, you know, rule the ashes kind of thing. <laughs> I think that's what yeah. she's going to end up with. It's not going to be a pretty place for a long, long time. Uh, yeah.
4: Well, um, it uh, is a, that the deadliest mm. episode. Mm. Mm. Yeah.
1: Uh, the only one that he- gave me hesitation was uh, Hardhome, but that one is unclear how many. Mm. Yes.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Interesting. Um, we head over to uh, a short stint in Old Town, we get to see the Citadel. Very happy to get to check in with Sam and Gilly, and they're looking mm-hmm. healthy. Got baby Sam growing up a little more. and
1: Yeah, get um, some comic relief from this receptionist dude.
0: Which, how else could he look, really? You know, like, I don't know if they ever made it there in the book or whatever, but as far as thinking of these these eggheads, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was perfect in my mind for what I would expect that job to be. <laughs>
3: like the ultimate librarian? Yeah. I just
1: loved the whole build of uh, Lord Commander Snow from Castle Black sent me. And then the guy's just like, he won't even reach out his hand to take mm-hmm. the letter. It's like, no, I'm going to make you lean all the way across the desk to put it in my hand. Um, and then just like, you know, according to our records, buh, 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 buh. and then that whole thing, so he explains the whole thing, and then he just kind of pauses and thinks about it for a moment, this is irregular, and I just, <laughs> I laughed so much that, I just kind of like, sorry.
4: Yep. <laughs> it's, it's like Old Town is completely True-hmm. untouched by the chaos that has yeah. been going on in Westeros. Mm-hmm. And also, um,
1: I, it did. It at the same time, I, it did. I did question. I know that Eamon got sick around that time, but they couldn't have even sent a crow that Commander Mormont yeah. was killed. Like, yeah, that seemed implausible to me. It was yeah. irregular, for sure.
4: Um, irregular. For sure. <laughs> uh, I did especially like, you know, before he takes Sam, he just sits there and crosses out the two names. Mm -hmm. (laughs) he updates the records and just crosses out the names Um, and so are we going on to the library so Mm
0: -hmm. well uh, so first of all when they get there on the outside we have white ravens just spilling at the top kind of confirmation I guess that ravens some ravens do make the whole track up and down the continent Um, Mm -hmm. and that that is the sign that winter is here right
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I would so love to get an old town in the credits um yeah. next season. Yeah.
4: Speaking of the credits, did you um, guys notice how Winterfell is back to its original? Oh, I didn't I didn't yeah. even think to look at it. Yeah. It was Stark really good. Stark Emblem back better. on top. Uh-huh. Yep. No smoky burnt up stuff. Yay. Yeah.
0: Dorne was back.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um So, and and in the lobby, how he mentions this is most irregular, I can't, uh, or we'll see what the Archmeister has to say about it. Mm -hmm. Which, I don't know why it never occurred to me, like, who would run this whole establishment? An Archmeister, which just set my imagination off. Because, you know, it could be anything. He could be a goofball, he could be serious and staunch, he could, you Mm -hmm. know, um, I can't wait to meet whoever this person's going to be. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Totally. Uh, yeah. Um
0: uh,
1: we didn't get any kind of an answer for what the plan is for Gilly except a rea- re- reaffirmation that they are this this guy is offended at the mere prospect that mm-hmm. a woman and a baby would cross the threshold. It's unheard of. <laughs> you can't <laughs> look just, at our books? You might oh, see no. the big board. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. watched Dr. Strangelove recently. Um, oh, I love that movie. Anyway, okay, now i got to not think about Dr. Strangelove. Um, but yeah, so just a, a valid question we had after the previous Sam thing was, okay, so what is the plan? If Gilly's not staying in Horn Hill, then what? Um, so we, we still don't know, except the show yeah. did remind us that that's still a problem.
4: I, yeah. I, I will say, whatever it is, it will be most irregular.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: become, like, my favorite thing, most
0: irregular. And so the whole thing to me, though, so I'm Sam, I'm here to train to be the new Meister. For, it's how many years it has to take, years, decades, to become a Meister. There's has to be people on the bench on standby to head over to Castle Black. I can't imagine you would leave someplace unmeistered for so long, you know, it's just that whole thing's weird, I understand what's happening and I understand why he's there, which isn't necessarily to become the maester, it's to study dragons and wild things and, you know, all that
4: I believe that um, you know, much like most people don't want to go to the wall, you know, unless you're a Stark, you think of the wall as a punishment many maesters would think of that as like a dig into their uh, into their character, you know, I've spent mm-hmm. all this time and I built my chain, and you want to send me to the wall? What did I do wrong? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like maybe Kyburn could be sent to the wall, you know, before he was demastered, but uh, mm-hmm. I think that it would be difficult getting people going to the wall. and when you consider Eamon, from what we know, was probably fairly young when he went to the wall because mm-hmm. he abdicated his throne.
1: Yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, so
1: they haven't had to deal with it in a long time because yeah. Eamon was up there and he's just taking care of it. So. And he's Eamon, he'll be there forever. <laughs> um,
4: so yeah, there's that.
1: Um, one other interesting note about how Maesters work, this is just a detail they've really never gotten into in the show, is that there's really all different levels of maesters. Their chain, um, right. each link is made of a different metal based on studying different disciplines. So not all maesters study all the same things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. some maesters might have different um, different links depending on what they studied. And so in theory, you're not necessarily all there for the same amount of time or studying yeah. all the same things.
4: The longer so, your chain the more knowledge you have. Um, there's one maester in the books that his chain is so tight, he's constantly pulling at it because it's like choking him that he just made the right amount of links to, for it to go around his neck. Um, <laughs> and and then how Maester Picel had all of these links and mm-hmm. they would trail behind him. And that brings me to something that uh, Josh says in the Q&A. Uh, he says, I can't remember, but wasn't Picel one of the top maesters in the land? Was it? he the de facto archmaester or was he just a really high-ranking one? His chain was certainly big. He was the grand so mm-hmm. he, was the, uh, he was a position in state. He was in charge uh, as a part of uh, the head of state, but he was not in charge of maesters. So he was in charge mm-hmm. in, in the sense that he represented all of the maesters uh, to the king. Yeah. But I would think that the Archmaester would be more involved in, say, the training and whatever else goes on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's an important maester
1: assigned to an important position, yeah. But he is not necessarily high ranking within the maester hierarchy.
4: Yeah. hmm so, um, yeah.
0: Yeah. so next we would have going to the library, which my note was
4: biblio boner. <laughs> Total library porn. Uh, Josh says it looks like heaven. Um, There is one thing in that library that I noticed and was totally excited about. Did anyone else notice what was hanging?
1: Yeah. The Astrolabe thing. It looks a lot like what we see up in the center during the credits. Is that what yeah, you're thinking? one of
4: them was the exact, like, it, they, you could see the inscriptions. It was the big globey thing, oh, the compass thing from mm-hmm. the opening credits. I was like, oh, my God. And then you saw the chains hanging from the different sections of book, you know, representing, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, what Christiana was talking about before. Oh, it was just gorgeous.
0: I want to live there. the check for the the yeah for that hangy thing because what I was impressed by was you could see it was it was very much like kind of a minds of moria thing where it's kind of mm-hmm. you know, delves down yeah. and this really intricate mirror system to be able to get light to all the different chambers was pretty mm-hmm. cool.
3: I so apologize. Kind of light light. I apologize. I was trying to point that light out to you and I think that you were just too deep into what you were just describing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um, I saw a really fun little GIF uh, online today, which w- was, um, it's the scene from Beauty, Disney's Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. at the beginning where Belle is at the bookshop, and she kind of, you know, goes, you know, she's swinging and riding the uh, the, the rolling ladder, in, basically singing about how much, oh, I love to read, yay! Um, and basically <laughs> someone just took that little clip and then put Sam's face over Belle's face.
2: <laughs>
4: Excellent. I like there, it. There, there is one thing that uh, I forgot to mention. Um, I don't know if you noticed when they were looking at Old Town, how tall uh, the Citadel was. mm Um, and it's it's listed as uh, the tallest structure in the Seven Kingdoms, taller even than the Wall. Oh um, wow. Yeah. So that's that's something that I meant to point out, because mm-hmm. I think that's cool. kind of interesting. Because the wall <laughs> is pretty darn big.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting. Any other any other Citadel business? How about uh, speaking of the wall, just north of the wall, we have uh, Uncle Benjen dropping Bran and Mira off, where we get us a little bit of confirmation. Uh, I think there's been some speculation, or like how the books have mentioned that the wall was magical, it's not just ice, mm-hmm. but they didn't really specifically say things, and now it's you no know, black and white binge and saying right. there's a certain magic, dead things can't pass. Um, and so clearly, yeah, he's not going to okay. be able to. <laughs> <laughs> cool.
1: One uh, of the things that's w- weird and complicated in the ways that they haven't really spelled out is that although there are those spells, we do recall that uh, two dead bodies became whites mm-hmm. already south of the wall. So they they recovered the two bodies and brought them to Castle Black, and then they sort of activated once they were there already. So unless, mm-hmm. so it, 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 what it means is whatever magic it is that allows the White Walkers to bring dead bodies to reanimate them into whites. Um, apparently can work across the wall, even if they can't travel themselves.
0: That's weird. It does seem like lately they, they never mention anything about burning bodies, but I don't know. I guess it's just a minor yeah. detail, so they don't Those worry about bodies, it too much.
4: weren't they north of the wall when they died and they were brought into Castle Black?
1: Yes, but they didn't reanimate until they were already south of the wall. So if they were whites and they were dead and we're saying this whole magic prevents mm. those from traveling through, right? Mm-hmm. Right. They were brought back as corpses and then animated south of the wall. I'm just okay. saying that it's um, the magic is more complex than to just say that it blocks everything that the right. White Walkers are totally, doing. I totally, totally yeah. agree.
3: We've had this I, conversation a couple of times after the Knights King was able to grant was able to get access to the uh, the the tree that Bran and the Three Eyed Raven were in after yeah. just simply touching Bran. Mm-hmm. How far does that extend if Bran goes on the other side of the wall?
4: Can mm. the Night King,
3: or do so the spells to... I think no, it gets that. really, really, really interesting. <laughs> That's a really or does good
0: he thing. have to touch him again in another dream? Yeah. Or yeah, was that yeah. a one-time deal? Or does he, is he have like to be months? on the other yeah. side of
3: the wall and get touched by him to be able to cross through? Yeah. Or will the spells so, protect him? Because I, I was asking our friends the night that we viewed it if they remembered if, and I want to ask you ladies too um, if you remember whether or not Sam gave any spells to um, Bran and Mira and Jojen and Hodor when they were together. When they met in that one castle, and Sam and Bran were together and talking,
1: what what spells are you thinking of that he would have had to give the them? book?
3: From the book, they mentioned it's like the spells that Benjen was mentioning. That there were spells from the book that Sam told Bran to be able to pass under the wall. I thought, am I totally making this up? I it's I don't remember it being mentioned in the shows. Okay, I so I think the what it is, well, I think in the books I think
1: what it is is that Sam and Gilly met up with cold hands not confirmed to be Benjen in the books and he helped them get south of the wall who then shared the secret of that tunnel with Bran and talked about the spell that prevented cold hands from coming with them
3: in the book only or also in the show?
1: No, that's, that's only in the book because Cold Hands never showed gotcha. up before now.
3: Okay, yeah, I just, um, I didn't remember an exchange of spells. And I was just getting really no. attuned to the rules for the spells because it's getting, yeah. I think it's going to no. be a real hair splutter.
1: It okay. was brought up in the books only in the sense that when Sam and Gilly were being guided by Cold Hands to go through the tunnel under the wall, he couldn't come with them because of that spell. So it's kind of like what just happened with Bran and and Mira, um, except that it was different. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, I think it's... Okay,
4: so I got it. Um, You're not completely off base here. Uh, Only a man of the Night's Watch can open the Black Gate, which is the tunnel that they use to get under the wall. Mm -hmm. Cold hands can open it, but he can't go through it and Sam could open it because he is a brother. There's no actual spell um, but uh, somehow the wall knows, I guess. So there is a spell there. There's not a spell to transfer. But there is magic that is needed to go through the wall that way.
2: Hmm. Thank that you, Nettie. I just thing. was all muddy
4: in my memories. I, You know, you were talking about it and I'm like... She's not completely off base, but I don't remember exactly what it was. So I just uh, I did a little Googling, and it's in Storm of Swords, Chapter 56. Um,
1: I think it's increasingly unhelpful to complain about um, wishy-washy logistics in the show. Mm-hmm. But I will say that one of the ones that was kind of striking was... Benjamin just saying, can't come with you. Okay, here, young woman and boy who can't walk. I'm just going to dump you next to this tree and then ride away on my horse. <laughs> and yeah. I know that we got a shot where they're near the wall. Mm-hmm. But at a certain point, it was just like, wait, so what's the plan here? I mean, we don't see them go anywhere other than touching the tree, but like, it just seems like... <laughs> Wait, but what's the plan here? Are they going to go and try to wave at the people up on top of the wall so they'll come and get them? They've blocked the tunnel. Yeah, I I yeah. had that thought as well. No, um, I guess they didn't block it. They um they let the wildlings through it. And they didn't seal it. Uh, especially when.
4: I thought that as well, especially when he leaves and then Mir's struggling to pick up Bran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, you didn't even leave him on a cart or anything? I mean, come on.
1: Leave the horse for him? I mean, I know he wants it, but it's also like, okay, if you really can't come with him, maybe drop him off a little closer.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Seeing as you're not going to die in the snow, maybe they could use the horse more. Mm-hmm. So, Bran, they do get dropped off of a tree. Bran finally goes back to the tower.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And we get almost all the secrets. I, <laughs> so, bullshit whispering in the middle.
1: <laughs> yeah, here's he, he, this is what I was going to say earlier, which is that it's kind of infuriating to have inaudible whisper happen there, especially when... Like, they're not actually keeping any real secret. I feel like mm-hmm. context clues and what we already know tells us... I, I feel like there's there's only one detail that is not 100% clear. And I honestly cannot think of any reason why
4: they shouldn't just make it clear. So, let's ask our resident newbie. Chooch, what yeah. did we learn?
0: So... We learned for certain that Lyanna is John's mother.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And as far as video and audio, that's it. That's all we know for sure. We don't know who Daddy necessarily is. It right. strongly points to, to uh, what's his name, uh, Rhaegar. Rhaegar. Mm-hmm. I mean, he kidnapped her, he's presumably raping her. We thought at first the screaming was him actually raping her, but no, it was giving birth, so that's where it points to. Now, go ahead.
1: I I was just going to say the the idea that it was maybe Rhaegar raping her that was the scream is mm-hmm. uh, the fault of the show for being unclear. It could not have been him because, as established, the first time we saw that, that uh, flashback... Rhaegar had already died in the Battle of the Trident at the time of this oh, okay. flashback. So it could, he could not have been up there um, because he was already dead miles away. Gotcha. So I agree, though, that it's the the show made it unclear what was happening, that the Scream was, and so I, I don't think it was an unreasonable conclusion for you to make, given that the show didn't really hit home where Rhaegar was, other than, yeah. like... So I was
0: was extremely frustrated that knowing that this was something that was teased in the books, and then they teased it on the show, and then this is essentially another tease, is just so frustrating.
1: Yeah.
0: They didn't come out and say it. So it seems, it's one of those things, like, kind of the uh, Sansa writing the letter. Like, I was pretty sure it was going to Baelish, so, like, I'm pretty sure Baby Daddy would be Rhaegar. Now, the production crew did definitively answer it. Mm Mm-hmm. They, um, um, Tibby had linked Tibby again. Hey, had linked on a Google Plus. Let me bring it up to this image that the production company—it's like kind of like a behind-the-scenes
2: thing—did
0: mm-hmm. this family tree, and it's probably uh, too small. I would imagine. I don't know, but hard,
2: yeah. It it's hard has, to read so
0: it. there's some of the lines are people who are married. Some of the lines were allies. Some is who works for who, but it has parents. And there is a line, an arrow, Rhaegar Targaryen to Jon Snow and Leanne Stark to Jon Snow. So it is black and white. There are the lines. That is at least what the production company has intended
2: Mm -hmm.
0: um, at this point of the filming. So, you know, who knows what the book will do? Who knows what?
1: um, um, I don't have the, the link handy, but just for completely separate from any book theorizing, if we just want to talk about clues that they've had in the show, there is uh, and I can find the link to put in the podcast notes or something like that Um, but there is a a supercut video that just talks about, has like an extremely well edited sequence of every scene from the show where they talk about stuff related to who John's parents might be Mm -hmm. Um, and what I will suggest is that anybody who's curious about, well, what clues, what you know, what might I have missed, that sort of thing, I would urge you to watch that because it lays it out really clearly, I think, um, and so like not even just because it was speculated in the book, I'm kind of honestly a little bit, like, I forgive it because I'm so excited to have confirmation, but I'm a little bit pissed that they got coy with it right there at the end, By having her whisper half of her, of whatever she says. But Mm -hmm. what we do have for sure that she says is his name is Whisper Whisper. And then we get confirmation that it's John. So what we get the sense is what other than John did she say that they felt like they needed to obscure? And then what she says is don't tell Robert he'll kill him. And honestly, even though it's they don't make it explicit, Robert, super duper in love with Lyanna, what could possibly make Robert super sure to kill Lyanna's baby?
4: Targaryen blood, because he killed all the Targaryens.
1: Yeah. And that's made all the more clear, too, in um, this Supercut video that it shows, like, you know, we remember you know, Robert was only in part of season one, right? And there's still, like, five scenes of him being obsessed with killing every single Targaryen he could get his hands on. And, in fact, several of the ones that he already killed, he wishes he could kill again because he is that pissed at
4: Targaryen. Yeah. Um... <laughs> There's, uh, so we're pretty sure we know who John's parents are now. Mm. There is one cracked out fan theory that I do remember. Uh, and it is that, yes, Leanne is the mother, but Ned is still the father. <laughs> I do not ascribe to this one, but I I love cracked out theories because they're so much fun. Well, wow. that one I feel like what possible evidence <laughs> could there be for? Oh, them. exactly. There's no evidence. Um, yeah. But I do want to read. Uh, there is a quote from the books, uh, and it's from a Catelyn chapter. Whoever John's mother had been, Ned must have loved her fiercely, for nothing Catelyn said would persuade him to send the boy away. And that's not me subscribing to the theory, that's just, you know, Ned's devotion to his sister. Mm-hmm. And I was very, very happy that she whispers the words, Promise me Ned, to mm-hmm. him. Because all through that first book, Game of Thrones, Ned's just constantly remembering, promise me Ned, promise me Ned. And to Mm -hmm. me, that was the clue that Leanna Mm -hmm. was his mom.
1: Yeah. And so I, I feel like it's irritating for the show to really present enough evidence that it's unequivocal in my mind that Rhaegar is the father but then to kind of play coy with it instead of just saying it is kind of infuriating. Honestly, yeah. I think that's I'm I'm annoyed with the show for that. Um, what I will say though, the one thing that the whisper whisper seems to leave unclear, and again, this is this is not getting into book stuff. It's it's based on things that could have been easy to miss if you're not looking for it in the show, but was in the show, which is the idea of Did he really rape her though?
4: Yeah. Mm, Right.
1: Because we've also got some clues that indicated that maybe this was not so non-consensual and maybe the idea that his name is John Whisper Whisper is because he's not a bastard at all. Mm -hmm. He is John Targaryen Mm -hmm. because they got married in secret. Now that's speculation that's not confirmed whether he is a true born Targaryen or whether still a bastard but it does seem to me unequivocal at this point Lyanna Rhaegar plus Lyanna equals John. R plus L equals J we long, can say it yay! <laughs>
3: <laughs> so
0: was but it, that your, uh, your thought Viv was that they were in love you are
3: actually are you gonna make me say it <laughs> My secondary theory on that. No. What were you asking?
0: Just that, that 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 the secret was that she wasn't being raped, but she they were in love. That.
3: Right, right. I don't think that they made that. I think they kept that pretty hidden on the show, and I think that her reaction kind of clears it up. I'm not going to say that I subscribe to this. That I subscribe to this theory but I have been told of a theory where it's not Rhaegar, it's Eris. And this is where the conversation goes, well, I don't know what George will do in the books, mm-hmm. but they've only got three, 13 episodes left, so they're not going to introduce <laughs> Eris is coming in and having Leanna, and I, it's just like, I'm happy with Rhaegar with that solution. I'm just, even though they didn't say his name exactly, I'm just fine to take that and not even go down the Eris conversation, because I don't know yeah. There's a couple of interesting,
4: yeah.
2: but
0: otherwise I, unnecessarily complicated for the TV yes. show. yeah. For I yeah.
4: hadn't yeah. I hadn't heard that theory, um, but it's an interesting one. Uh, like I said, I, I'm I'm all about all sorts of crackpot theories, um, so it's it's nice to hear a new one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, the only difference that would make, the only practical difference in the modern world for this series, is that Danny's his sister not his aunt. Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: Well, uh, I mean, I you know, I, that's the only practical difference, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I think the Uncle story John. the story is different because it
4: Yes, is. yes, the backstory <laughs> is uh, yeah. different. be moving forward. The only thing that yeah. would have an impact on John's life. Mm-hmm. If at all. So, yeah. and um, I have had people tell me that my show crackpot theory, oh well maybe he can marry Sansa because now they're not they're not brother and sister. It's still gross by the way because they grew up. <laughs> I'm mean, just saying that, okay? As somebody who has adopted siblings, you grow up thinking someone's your brother, it doesn't matter about blood, it's still gross. Right. I have no
1: like way to confirm anything because I don't know any more than anybody else does, but in my opinion the only possible two characters that could possibly get married at this point that are at all related is John and Danny. I, I don't know that that's going to happen. I'm not even sure I think that's what's going to happen. Mm. But I none of these other two re- relatives maybe getting married thing, none of those theories hold any water for me. They don't make sense to me, except the possibility that John and Danny could get married. Like That's the only one that sounds remotely plausible to me, but I uh. do
4: yeah. I, I just want Danny to have nothing but paramours. <laughs> she never gets married. She's like, you know what? Get rid of the Iron Throne. We're gonna get rid of marriage. We're gonna. Everything's different.
0: <laughs> Everything. <laughs> we jump over to Winterfell. Speaking of Jon and mm-hmm. more important to his life now, we have uh, open with Jon and Melisandre chatting, and it seems that her. Could have been worse Jon Snow is her you-know-nothing Jon Snow. <laughs> Could have been worse. At least you had a house. <laughs> they, would say, mm-hmm. they would all eat up there and I'd be relegated down there. And Davos walks in and jumps straight in her shit. <laughs> Here's the stag. Tell him what you did. Mm-hmm.
1: Classy for Davos to wait until things were settled instead of disrupting yeah. the battle. Mm-hmm. Um, But also nice to uh not just let it drop.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, and, yeah, I mean, and he shows it clear and makes her say exactly, and, you know, she comes clean with exactly what they did, exactly why they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did grab, I mean, I think it's the show, the, the, the line of, not the season, the line of the entire series is Davos.
3: You burnt a little girl alive. I can only do what my lord commands. If he commands you to burn children. Your lord is evil. <laughs> Simple. Simple. Yep.
1: Yeah, I mean, because you know, to her credit, from Political <laughs> Times, to yeah, <laughs> uh, to her credit, she kind of owns it, right? Like she doesn't try to make excuses exactly. Um, but the problem with her argument is, in terms of saying, well, the Lord of ro- Light is always right, but I might be wrong. But it t- kind of gets to the point of like, well, if you're that wrong, then what good are you? Yeah, um, although but she her parental content. <laughs> her, well, and her kind of Trump card coming back, not to make a political thing again, but just like literally the cards, <laughs> right. um, is like, uh, remember how you talked me into bringing him back to life? A little credit, little credit for that.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, it's like that doesn't make it okay to burn a little girl at the stake. But let's like let's also not pretend that this is a completely unambiguous situation.
0: Right. Yeah. The, the Lord was okay when they, that was what was up for grabs. What yeah. if killing Shireen is actually what made that possible? What if that death paid for that life? You know, who knows? Yeah. Would that change how he felt about it? Uh, I probably don't not
4: think that Davos would have been okay knowing that information. <laughs>
0: Um, And so, yeah, and her saying, you know, you know what's coming, you know what the the war to come is. But why would John believe, with what she just said, why would he think she could even help in that war to come? And Mm -hmm. how do we know she's not on the other side?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Sure, she's been helping, but other than resurrecting John, has she really helped the good guys?
4: Yep. Well, I mean, she did nothing. Uh, well,
1: okay. Go ahead. That's not entirely true. Because remember, it was uh, Davos telling Stannis that they need to go to the wall wasn't sufficient. It was only when Melisandre agreed with them and said, Yes, Stannis, we need to go to the wall. That's what got him up there and then saved them during that fight for Castle Black. So she did help there.
4: No, I get that. What I mean is... Mm-hmm. She, in Jon's company like she did nothing for the the battle on winterfell she did nothing to get people onto their side the only thing she has actually done for Jon's cause that he's been able to watch the only thing he's seen her do is she burned a bunch of wildlings she burned mance and um and she resurrected him which he's still not very happy about um so <laughs> you know I think the only thing uh, keeping her alive is the fact that, um, you know, uh, 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 she actually resurrected him. And he's like, yeah, yeah okay, exile. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so he banishes her, and I guess, so maybe she could have a role to play, so maybe we won't kill her. <laughs> we'll banish her. Um, yeah. So Sansa and John make their sleeping arrangements for the night we should sleepwear, and I'm not going to discuss it or get into it, but she apologizes and all is forgiven, and now mm-hmm. they're moving on, whatever, I'm over it.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, this is just, it's a little bit like what we talked about earlier this season with, you know, Arya letting herself get stabbed and then being fine. Mm-hmm like I feel like we could bend over backwards trying to make justifications that the show is not itself providing to us but at a certain point this is what I'm talking about as far as the show evolving is that in exchange for the increased plot momentum and spectacle that we're getting we're losing some of the character consistency and I think that just as far as having realistic expectations, we're just going to have to kind of get on board that these sorts of weird character beats are going to happen
2: sometimes.
0: Yeah. It's just so strange that it happened this far into the series. And, and that it happened to coincide with running out of book content.
1: I don't think that's a <laughs> coincidence. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we get the line, you know, um, I saw a white raven... Father always promised, didn't he? <laughs> Little nods. Mm, I thought that was really cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dad
4: was always talking about that.
0: <laughs> um, and then we get some uh, Baelish Sansa talk. Ugh. So this is interesting. You know, he paints a picture. He looks back at the picture. It's always been him on the throne with Sansa at his side. And the question of the moment is, you know, I'm sure the picture has changed over the years. Was that originally Kat at his side? Or is this whole picture thing just because Sansa needs to be in the picture now because he thinks he's, you know, thinks she'll be in charge of Winterfell.
4: <laughs> um ah. I think the original picture is him and Kat at River Run and that the picture has evolved. Mm-hmm. And I think that um well, it's difficult because show I, him going for the Iron Throne just seems so weird because it doesn't seem like that's something that he wanted. He always seemed like he wanted to be the guy behind the person with the power, not the actual person with the power, because then you're just a target. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't seem like a place Littlefinger would want to be. Um,. But then there is that that line about from him and Varys, where he's like, you know, if if nothing's left but a pile of ashes, you'll want to rule that pile of ashes, kind of a thing. So there is that. But um, I think that uh, basically, as soon as he met Sansa, and was like, damn, it's Cat when she's little, he's been interested.
1: I definitely agree, though, that when he talks about this picture of me on the Iron Throne with you at my side it's really clear which one, which of those two parts is optional. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, so the, it's jumping ahead a little bit, but the the look exchanged by Sansa and Littlefinger at the end of these scenes in Winterfell is another one like a couple of sequences in this episode where they leave it really ambiguous what exactly they're feeling because on the one hand Sansa is telling the truth to John about only a fool would trust Littlefinger but the problem with where she's at mentally I think is is the idea of it's possible to not trust him and for him to still be right and he is really good at getting in her head that way, um, and so I don't know. So, I uh, you know, it's kind of it's jumping ahead to that that finish, but so I don't know mm-hmm. if that's uh, if we want to get there yet. But his mm-hmm. argument of, you know, who should really be ruling Winterfell, who who should really be, you know the uh, lord of winterfell or lady of winterfell is you know you know a, a true born stark born in 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 winterfell or a, a motherless bastard born in the south and and it seems like so he's trying to form push this wedge in between them right and it was and, before,
0: a few yeah. episodes back, right when he was saying you need your or that's his army that's not your army what are you doing for yourself right
1: kind of so it's not clear to me how much of an effect that's actually having on her because she is definitely skeezed out by him there's no question about that she definitely says she doesn't trust him Mm -hmm. but the problem is that you get to the point where you trust him enough to do certain things and he's good enough at this sort of stuff that he the give him an inch he'll take a mile sort of thing Um, And so when everybody there in the Great Hall just immediately decides, okay, we're all about John now, and then she gives Littlefinger this look. I'm not sure what to read into that look. Is that a ha-ha, Littlefinger, we don't need you after all because now all the northern houses are actually behind us and so you can't do anything, but maybe I'm a little bit worried that you're going to try to do something, whether Mm -hmm. I want you to or not. Um, or is it more of a look of oh my gosh you're right he's gonna take this all away from me maybe I need your help after all I don't know what to read into that look they leave it ambiguous on purpose I think
4: I foresee a pattern Um, Sansa does not want to work with Littlefinger she is disgusted by him and much like you need my soldiers no I don't I don't need anything from you Okay, crap, I need your soldiers. Um, I think at this point, and in the look, she's like, Nope, see, look, everything's good. John's going to be king in the north. It's all good. Uh, And Littlefinger's thinking, see, I told you. And she's not quite there, but I think at some point, she's going to be like, Crap, you're right, John's pushing me out. I don't think she's there yet, but I think it'll come. I think it'll Mm. constantly be Littlefinger telling her something, she disbelieving and wanting to do her own thing and then going back to him for help. Mm. That's my prediction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems I can't weird.
0: really see why John would push her out, especially, you know, he's unless he's really upset about her not mentioning Littlefinger because I, I don't know if he's fronting, but I don't think that's
1: well. Real. This show is no longer a show where the character motivations are that complicated.
4: I think, <laughs>
0: that makes sense, yeah.
4: I think all <laughs> it will happen for him to piss her off is if he tries to marry her off without letting her do it. Oh, That's yeah. all that it would take. You know, If he just says, oh yeah, Sansa, you're going to marry this dude uh, because we've made an alliance. She's going to be like, excuse me? Uh-uh. Yeah. Nobody's marrying me off again. <laughs> That's not happening. And I could I could see that happening and John not quite getting why that would bother her. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And their looks, she definitely looked to me smug. I didn't quite get with Littlefinger. He was kind of stonewalling. And then she looked really concerned, like the look he gave, that kind of scared her. The, <clears throat> but I couldn't tell what.
1: <laughs> the read that I got on it the second time, even though I still think it's kind of ambiguous, but I did get, like what you were just saying, what my read second time was that it was mostly a see we've got this without you Littlefinger we don't need you but then as things you know escalate and everyone's King in the North, King in the North, um, Mm -hmm. Littlefinger has kind of a look like gonna need to do something about this and Sansa going, "Uh, what's that gonna mean?
3: I totally agree with you Christiana Because he had said all along that anything that doesn't make that picture in his head happen, he's not going to do. And so I think John's going to be kind of thrown under the bus a little bit by Little Finger because he's jealous. Well, not to mention
1: the fact that there's. Cersei is doing all sorts of stuff down there in King's Landing. And so if he's looking to use chaos as a ladder, he probably heading south is really where that's going to be at <laughs> right now, I think.
2: Oh yeah. The problem I is he's kind of
1: he's kind of hitched his wagon to the uh, the the Vale's star, so uh, that's going to be you know that's where most of his power comes from right now. So coming up with an excuse for all of them to head south might be more complicated.
2: Mhm.
0: Yeah. Um, so we kind of skipped past the the of course scene-stealing Lyanna Mormont um, and her little speech, which of course I had to grab.
2: <laughs> but House Mormont remembers. The North remembers. We know no king but the king in the North whose name is Stark. I don't care if he's a bastard. Ned Stark's blood runs through his veins. He's my king from this day until his last day.
1: <laughs> Technically, Ned Stark's so, blood doesn't run through his veins. Right. Now, yeah. Well, of course, they don't know that. But <laughs> yeah. um, genetically,
3: they're way, way close than strangers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. To it's, it's strangers. you know, it's still there's, there's there's relationship there, but it's just you know, um, I I have to say I know that the North remembers is a thing, but just I couldn't help but be thinking. Pepperidge Farm, remembers? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's was so, um, so
0: I like the, the debate of what to do, and then her just calling everybody out, and the whole, you know, mm, you didn't yeah. come to the call, you didn't answer the call, and then she drops that. Um, the one thing I was expecting, so then they all started cheering, you know, and said, King in the North, Jon Snow. And after she had said her speech, I expected them to call him Jon Stark. Hmm. And I'm wondering if that's just related to that. Uh, as far as the show's concerned, they don't want to bother with it because they're going to flip the script next season and reveal, you know, now that they revealed. I
4: don't know. could um,
1: just
0: be that it's no. still complicated.
4: Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, who cares? Because I, m- my thought is just that, like, they're essentially saying they're rallying again behind the King of the North and they're saying, fuck King's Landing, right? That's hmm. So who cares who, if they would acknowledge him as a bastard or not, it seems like whatever they decide here and now is what really matters. So, eh, it doesn't really matter, but I just, I expected them to start saying John Stark, John Stark, and him so, to have that moment.
4: Can somebody cur- help me out here? Um, in the show, did Rob ever talk about legitimizing uh, Jon Snow?
1: No, because he was exactly. in the Night's Watch. So he, yeah. you know, he had made yeah. an oath until he died.
4: Yeah, but in the... Okay, because in the books... Uh, Stannis
1: talked about it,
4: not Rob. Stannis talked about it, but not Rob in the show. Okay, uh, so in the books, uh, Rob has actually written a decree that legitimized uh, John, And in the books, it doesn't take... You know, a king is not the only one that legitimizes. It's the lord... That legitimizes, uh, but I mm-hmm. guess we've seen only kings do it in the show, so that's that's a little bit of a difference there. Um, so I, I was just curious about that because, um, like, that's that's one of those things that you know, Rob did it, but then he and Catelyn, the only two that knew about it, were both killed directly <laughs> afterwards. So, um, although I will say, okay, so the the people. The, the the lords and the, the houses that are pledged to Stark, they can't legitimize him. But once they make him king, he, can he then just go and legitimize himself? <laughs> well, you know, like... Because of uh, course,
0: he would never do.
4: Yeah, no, he wouldn't. He'd be like, I don't care. I've been a Snow my whole life.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. They might have to figure that out. It might... Uh, I, I, I would kind of like the idea that it could sort of just start to upset this whole idea of... Being a bastard is such a horrible thing. Yeah. Anyway, just to say, you know, he who cares? is King John Snow, and that's okay.
4: Hey, I li- I like King John Snow uh, a bit more than King John Stark. I'll tell you that much. Uh, John I Stark
1: just like feels
4: wrong. Yeah. It yeah. yeah. It's roll off the
1: tongue. I, I really like. He like feels would her. know something, John Stark. Sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I really like your idea, Christiana. I hope that they do kind of. Take the sting out of the word "bastard" because we never hear that word in our society ever anywhere else. I think is is does that word come up? I mean, we don't talk about it in reference to people or children or anything like that. And it's just it's been kind of weird for me this whole season, like this whole not season, but like the whole time. And it's just exacerbated since the show started all the emphasis on the bastards and of course the battle of the bastards. We, so I kind of I, I kinda of like your idea, Christian. I hope they kind of take out the negative of it. <laughs> like it's okay. He's still a good guy. So I, I just have a question. We we don't that that wasn't a thing?
4: Well I mean maybe not so much today, but I definitely feel growing up and um I definitely heard that word growing up, uh, and I heard that
3: it as a, a very bad thing. Um, and, right. Uh, yeah, me too. I just meant more like in the modern day media and stuff like that. You don't come across it like like we did in like the tropey shows of the 70s and the 80s.
4: Okay. Okay. Maybe I it just this is just me personally. Uh, uh, We're also running really long. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Now they just killed Kenny, you bastards.
4: As of the 90s, that was still kind of a sting. I'll just put that out there. Uh, And (laughs) and that was definitely things that were going on. Uh, So just uh, two quick things, and I'm sorry. I know we're running long. Um, I love how Northerners all have Sean Bean's accent. I think that's (laughs) an awesome thing that the show has done. And Lady Mormon just... Has it perfectly, and mm-hmm. as she was doing that speech, all I could hear was like, "That's Sean Bean's accent." She is doing that, <laughs> and I don't know if like maybe she's from the same part of England as he is, or maybe it's you know that that she really worked to do that. Um, and uh, when when they talked about you know the North remembers, uh, Ali had actually tagged us on Facebook and talking about you know what if the North remembers is because of Bran somewhere, you know, like, that that the North remembers because all of the Three-Eyed Ravens have been Starks, and there must always be a Stark in Winterfell is something that got changed from there must always be a Stark in the North because it's always Mm. a Stark that's the Three-Eyed Raven and things like that, so it's just little theory feeds and seeds and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and uh, Mike in the Q and A says, technically, John is still a half Stark. So how does that play out? So yeah, he's a, a Targaryen and a Stark. Um, and obviously, Bran would have to reveal that to the public for anyone to know. Um,
1: the one, that, uh, the one ahead. thing that is uh, additional, additionally complicated, that they have not really. Settled, and my prediction honestly is that they're just going to bypass it entirely, kind of like they did with Sansa. Is like, does everybody know that he died and got brought back to life? Mm-hmm. Because right. they either know that or yeah. he's an oathbreaker from the Night's Watch.
2: Agreed. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah. So they just don't talk about <laughs> that, do they? No. Hmm. Hmm. Brought back to life by the Lord of Light and not the old gods, incidentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, my prediction, they're going to all ignore that and it's not going to be brought up.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We just don't need to bother with that. All right. <laughs> head over and let's head over to Dorn. Pretty, pretty quick scene, mm-hmm. little scene. Um, Dorn, Olena, Ilaria, and the Sand Snakes. Uh, with Olena just shutting them all down really fast. Just <laughs> One, two, three was great. <laughs> let mm-hmm. let the adults talk. Ilaria um, brings uh, Varys to the table does a little intro and say hey let's all work together so it yeah, was a pretty pretty cool little scene I thought. Happy to see Dorn back in the mix although yeah. I don't know what I guess, well, okay, I I was going to say in the notes I had started right, what do they really have to offer? And then Varys came out, oh, yeah, okay, so it's really they're offering the hookup because as far as I can tell as a viewer, Dorne is like 12 people,
1: so.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, remember I showed you on the map that where Danny's coming from, it's Mm -hmm. actually the kind of closest place for them to land in Westeros, especially with it being more distant and less observed from... um, King's Landing and such, so it's actually a pretty good entry point for them, if that's where they're heading.
4: I I I I love that whole scene. I did not expect us to go back to Dorne at all. I thought we were done. I thought it was nuked from orbit. I just I didn't get it. Um, I love where Olena is going to be going because right now she's got nothing. Her son's gone. Her grandkids are gone. Everything's gone. What's the point? There's nothing for her to gain anymore. Now it's Mm -hmm. just I'm going to kill that girl. I'm going to kill that woman that destroyed my family and she is going to be toast.
1: Also of note, um, uh, given that Something that the show doesn't make explicitly clear but I think we can gather from context clues is that there's actually a fair amount of time passing between some of the scenes in yeah. the second half of this episode. Um, and so one of the things that Alaria says um, is King's Land, or I don't remember if she says she or King's Landing or what but um, has declared war on House Tyrell and declared war on Dorn. And so that to me suggests, you, just House Tyrell, you could, you could sort of yeah. say blowing everybody up was an act of war. But declaring war on Dorne is not something that would have been inferred from previous events, but seems like something that Queen Cersei might do in Revenge for Marcella. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if when Ilaria said that, what she means is straight up, legitimately, Queen Cersei in King's Landing has officially declared war on Dorne and House Tyrell. Mm.
0: I just—I guess I just assumed the moment that that the girl had died, they de facto declared war or would have declared war.
1: Well, they never brought it up. It's possible, True. but they never talked about it. <laughs> yep.
0: no, well, no, but I just know. assumed plot-wise, we were just going to forget Dorn ever existed. So I had just wrote written the whole thing off.
1: Yeah, I the way, what I had been saying is that Dorn fell into the sea, never to be heard of or talked about again. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, one. Uh, there was a couple of Q and As that we we missed from earlier sections. Um. Josh Meyer was saying, uh, I'm pleased how they continue to let the actress explore the uncertainty that Melisandre feels these days regarding her faith. I like the devoted but faith-shaken version of her much more than the blind faith version we've had for years. Um, I agree, and I'm also excited now um, that my prediction is that she ends up hooking up with the Brotherhood Brotherhood Without Banners and then that will eventually lead to connection with Arya, so I'm definitely excited to see how that plays down.
3: I definitely agree with Josh, and I definitely agree with Christiana on all those points. I'm very excited as well. Sorry, that sounded so somber. (laughs) (laughs) Mopey
0: Melisandre kind of bores me, but Eh. I get it.
3: (laughs) I,
4: I like Melisandre knocked down a peg, um, and I know that's mostly because she killed a uh, Maester Kurwin. But
3: I know I'm you still holding her? a grudge about that too. When John was talking about that feast, and I was thinking about well, lots of lots of things have happened around her though. You know. But yeah. Chooch, I mean, it's as soon as Melisandre flashes a boob, you're gonna totally forgive her again. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> You still have that 400-year-old crone image in your mind to dispel.
0: Can't wait to see it again.
3: (laughs) Um, The One other
1: uh, Josh Meyer comment that we hadn't covered before was just saying, as a non-book reader who fastidiously avoids forums where R plus L equals J has been discussed, I came up with this same fan theory independently after the first episode where Rand visited the past. It totally Mm -hmm. makes sense. It sure does. I mean, it's, I think people can be forgiven for not necessarily picking up on all the clues. But seriously, I, I gave the um, the link to that YouTube video that I mentioned. Um, yeah. I put it in the in the chat here, so um, hopefully you guys can uh, see it at the podcast notes. But you watch that and you see all the those scenes put back to back, and it feels super obvious in hindsight. Because they really laid it on thick in a couple of places, but because it was spread out over five seasons.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had that similar um, situation where I was the dummy that read all the books so many times, and I never caught on about Loras and Renly. hmm. And then I went back and read one of the books again, and I was like, I... Because I was like, okay, I'm going to highlight every mention, and I I think I'd gotten halfway through the book, and I was like, okay, I'm an idiot. I just missed this obvious. <laughs> Everybody in the world caught it, and I just because it wasn't said explicitly, they were banging.
4: <laughs> but You're not
1: the only I, one. So yeah, I didn't get it either until yeah. someone mentioned it. Yeah,
4: <sighs> I um, good for you, I Josh. Talking about it with with Tech, and uh, I was like, oh, and Renly, and blah blah blah, and he goes, wait. What? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, yeah, Renly and Loris, they're totally a couple. He's like, wait, Renly's gay? I'm like, hello, he has the rainbow guard. you know. And then you know, when you go with that in mind, you can see it, but there have been so many people that didn't get it. It's one of the reasons why George said, can you kind of make it obvious? <laughs> I still also think that uh, Brendan the Blackfish is gay too, but there's been nothing to confirm that. So. Yeah, that's
1: that's another one that's just speculation as to why he wouldn't have wanted to get married. Yeah.
4: Set hmm. over
0: to Marine with uh, the big Dario-Danny breakup.
4: Woo-hoo, they have the heart to heart. But you know what this Stop means, that right? Job. You know what this means? This means that Cal can go back to Orphan Black. Yeah, exactly. I said the same
3: thing. <laughs> I said, first of all, Poor Cal, because this is totally familiar territory for him. (laughs) Uh Just in time for the last season.
2: Yep.
0: (laughs) See, he's he's come quite a ways from, you know, uh, I'm the most honest person you'll ever meet. I do exactly what I want, and that's it. And he's really came a long way. You know, let me come with you. And, like, you know, I'm not a proud man. It'll be all right. (laughs) I do you like her mentioning uh, renaming the Slaver's Bay to the Bay of Dragons? Yes,
4: oh, one Christ of so That
3: mm-hmm. was so That's wonderful. Amazing.
4: <laughs> we can't right. call it Slaver's Bay
3: anymore. Mm-hmm. Done. Dragons Bay. I love it. She just renamed it. Bam. Done. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, which jumps into a conversation with Tyrion and Danny, where she, you mm-hmm. know, did he, how did he take the news? So he knew what was going to happen. And she names him Hand of the Queen. That was pretty badass.
2: Yeah,
1: I loved his whole little speech about mm-hmm. um, her rekindling believing um, in, in believing in things, and and also his kind of admission of like. It's kind of embarrassing to suddenly believe in something again. <laughs> um, I, I like that little detail. And, of course, yeah. I mean, I think it's a speech that in a lesser actor's hands could have been very cheesy, but Peter Dinklage is awesome, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Does a great job with it, really sells it. And so I loved that. Um, I read one commentary that was sort of trying to nitpick that he's really only had, like, three conversations with her which i think is a little unfair because that you know maybe there's not been that many scenes together necessarily in the show yeah. there it, it's it's true that she left pretty shortly after he came on board there but there's a respect from so what has allowed them to build this mutual respect even if they've had relatively little direct contact is first of all her coming back and seeing how he's done while she was gone, mm-hmm. and also him seeing how many people believe in her and everything she's managed to accomplish. So they don't necessarily have had to spend tons of time with each other for them to have this respect for each other, because they've seen the you know they've seen the the results of each other's work.
4: Agreed. I also think that uh, Danny is the type of person that sizes somebody up very quickly and decides if she's going to trust them or not. I mean, uh, look at her and Miss Sandy. Look at her and Grey Worm. Even look at her and Jora because Jora came to her as like a gift kind of a thing. And she was thinking, I'm not sure if I can trust this guy. And then he. Saved her from poison and whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. She's somebody that just she quickly assesses someone and decides whether or not they're going to be important to her. And um, she's been pretty good, you know. Like she's got a pretty good track record. Yeah, she's made decisions. Uh, that were not good, but those were, you know, ones that she didn't do because she thought that they were a good person. It wasn't somebody she trusted, like, the, you know, her supposed spouse and things like that. Um, I can't remember his name. It's like, his, Dars, L- Lachlan, something, yeah. I don't know. Well, Lorac, yeah, Lorak, something like guy. that. guy. Um, but, I mean, even Dario, like, she saw him. She's like, do something for me. And once he did, she's like, all right, I'm in. And, uh... So it's varying character for Danny, I think. Yeah.
1: Uh, One thing that I thought was really interesting is that in just my continuing theory about Danny's relative luck when she's doing what she's supposed to, I'm Mm -hmm. doing finger quotes with supposed Mm to, um, versus when she's not, and Dario was definitely a not supposed to thing. That she gave into temptation despite the fact that him helping her as a military commander has been useful but basically every other dalliance with him has really just been distracting her from other things she should be paying attention to, he encourages her worst instincts um, and he is not good for her and I am so glad to have her dump him but what was most interesting about it to me is that she actually sort of reflects a little bit like should I be worried that I was actually really not that sad to be leaving him behind. I love and that. I was, thi- I was thinking is like no because what you've recognized is that you really belong somewhere else and once you've reframed your personal journey in that context he really just doesn't belong there anymore.
2: Yeah.
1: He your affection to him belongs to a part of you that you are leaving behind for a good reason and that's why you're not sad is because you recognize oh right I was off on a whole other thing there and I'm able to let that go because I see and and his his love was just kinda
4: part of that I am to to translate it to something like that I've experienced in life I've had situations where somebody was very important to me, like a good friendship. And then something drove us apart. And then you look at your life and you're like, you know what's weird? I don't actually miss them. And you kind of have that moment of, what does that say about all of those years we spent together? But in truth, you know, sometimes, nope, just time to move on. That was a different time and now you got to go. Mm-hmm. So, um, I really liked this whole conversation between the two of them. When she gave him the pin, I was like, oh, oh, it's so sweet Mm -hmm. and awesome. And it's a little pin. And, you know, I had this made. I hope they got it right.
1: Yeah, I was so lovely. (laughs) I was kind of laughing at the oh, I hope they got it right, and it's exactly right. No, it's like, <laughs> they just
4: picked it up at the HBO store. I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, they did have Vera's handy. I mm. thought that, I agree with you, Nettie. I think that the way that they, I think first of all, that yes, only Peter Dinklage could do that scene with Danny and convey so much, and when he was saying the line about he's not the last one that's going to fall in love with you and just his eyes were like brimming with devotion and love and I think it was more than just belief like he was talking about I think he's in love and then so it just um, to me was almost like the speech that she gave him and the way he accepted it and bowed and all that it was almost as it was clearly an oath and a vow and all that kind of thing but it seemed so almost marital Marital with her in that white dress, and I know that wasn't the intention, but it it made the the possibility of it possible <laughs> in my mind. Like it's visually there, you know, if you want to look at it that way.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
4: Thank you. So the poison sea. Yeah, the, the final, water. final, the poison <laughs> sea,
0: poison water, narrow sea. We ships are a-crossin', and we learn that Varys can teleport.
1: Well, yeah, yes and no. Right.
0: <laughs> this
1: is another example of something we're led to believe a certain sort of time-passing sequence by the way this show has been edited in the past. And it's certainly sh- true that the show frequently fudges how long it takes to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I had more of a problem with Aria showing up in the Twins Um, than this because this felt more to me like the fact that he's there tells us that time has passed.
0: Right. And it it takes a lot of time to get that many horses on ships. Yeah. To get the food required to cross an ocean. Mm -hmm,
4: (laughs) So uh, Tibby actually had that in her uh, comment as well and it was, does anyone wonder... Oh, no, that's not it. Sorry. Sorry. Will there be speculation about how Varys seems to have a teleporter of some kind, and maybe he lent it to Arya? How did the two <laughs> get around so quickly? And uh, I, I do think that things are definitely out of order in, in the show. It's, uh, it's a little frustrating, but at the same time, it, there's so much happening, you know? <laughs> but here's the other thing. We notice it's not just Varys that is back. There are ships with Martell sails on them in that scene. You see Kraken ships, you mm-hmm. see Targaryen ships, and you see Martell ships. Sorry, uh, 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 what the hell's her name? Greyjoy. There we go. Greyjoy, Targaryen, and Martell ships. I Did anyone catch anything else? Because Huge. I was looking, I think there might have been some Tyrells.
3: Chooch caught, um, on the front of a ship, it was, um, like the first ship that they showed had the Gold Dragon. Some of the other ships had other ones, and Chooch, what was the one that you caught? Was it a horse? It
0: was a a horse that was the front legs of a horse.
3: So like the Dothraki. Dothraki. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. I do remember the look on Theon's face as he looked up and saw the Kraken flag fluttering overhead, and I thought, there must have not... I can't imagine he's ever thought that he'd ever see that again or feel the sea, and you know, I just it, it ugh, I didn't expect him to have that moment, and and it was very humble and small, and it was really sweet. <laughs> and as far as these things go, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. That was the fade to black moment. Was the big ass fleet crossing yeah. to Westeros? Did uh, did anybody have that as their as their guess?
4: Oh, okay. Well, uh, let me go through them. Hang on one second. I I did not open them because I did not want to spoil myself. I can tell you that wasn't mine. I definitely thought we were ending with uh, uh, some Whites or uh, White Walkers up in the north. That's not what happened. That so, was my guess.
0: It would know, be the White Walkers crossing the wall.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. Night King coming through the wall with Ramsey gone as the main yeah. villain. I'm thinking the new focus will be the White Walkers. It's probably too early, yeah. but I'm going to go. Well,
1: with that. Cersei has still got villain status. In fact, she leveled up.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to carefully read uh, Viv's. Uh, <laughs> her prediction, prediction was an LS prediction. Something we've had in the past. Um Not saying that either. Not saying. Lots of reasons why this would happen, Um, and I agree with them. I
2: want a
3: spoiler episode. (laughs) We will talk about that in the spoiler episode. That's pretty great. Um, uh, I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of words that equal me being wrong. Uh, Yeah,
4: Viv even crosses herself in this. Couldn't decide between King's Landing <laughs> going boom. Uh-uh. <laughs> so that was the you know beginning. Yeah. Um I don't know how they're gonna leave that dangling. So you got that prediction. Um and your Viv's dream ending is Arya reunited with John. But I don't think they'll give that before season seven, if ever. Uh, and yeah. Was dead on, short and sweet. Last shot, Danny leaving Marine for Westeros. Two seasons in
1: a row, by the way. I called it last time with Don too. Um, Although I, I almost actually uh, had one that was very similar to uh, Chooch's, um, related to like the Wall and the White Walkers and everything. But I think I'm at this point, having now seen this finale. I think that is the season seven finale.
2: Um, yeah.
1: Is I I I bet you the wall comes down. Like remember there was supposed to be some magic horn that could the do that.
4: Horn. Yes. Yes. Mm. I was trying not to talk about that today. <laughs> <laughs> but well, yes, that, that's, that's
1: in the show. So maybe yeah, if something yeah, right Sam
0: will come across the Citadel right in his research. <laughs> Fingers
4: crossed. Um. Mm. So that's that's pretty great. Um. We did get some last-minute feedback, and I did mean to mention this earlier. So Sheriff Bullock, as uh, at like 10 o'clock or just after 10 o'clock on Sunday, sending me messages, "Did you watch? Did you watch? Did you watch?" <laughs> Not yet. I don't watch live uh, because this the streaming can get kind of hokey on uh, finale and uh, premieres. And so then I he was so insistent, I was like, "All right, let me stay up and watch this." And uh, these were his sentiments even on Sunday. Uh, my feedback for Game of Thrones is this: I'm in mourning. My beloved Marjorie has been cruelly taken from me. My heart aches. You will find me crying in a corner, completely, utterly devastated. And that's pretty much what he was saying to me Aww. after I watched it.
2: He just he he, <laughs>
4: he
3: could not take uh, losing Marjorie. Yeah. I'll tell you um, when the when the sept blew up it was like shock and awe and then it wasn't until you know and then it was Anella, I think you said her name is Christiana and Sir Gregor and then it was and walking out the window and it was just like the similarity to Bran, knowing that he was high enough up that he wasn't gonna survive he took the for he had the forethought to take off his crown and then he stepped out the window and I just started sobbing like a little girl <laughs> that had her shave eyes taken away and I was just I was trying to be quiet because everybody else in the room was listening. you know there were other it wasn't just us it's not like you could just say pause it that's so like the show me, like kept covering going. My, I was covering my face going sob, sob 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 it was so oh my god that broke my heart so bad the, I think the only thing that broke my heart bigger was those little babies with those knives cutting and stabbing. That was just too dark for me. But God, yeah, you might be right about it being the finale for next season since it's only looking like it's going to be seven. They're going to be able to kind of stretch that out perfectly. Yeah.
0: I think Marjorie by far was the biggest loss in the whole, the whole yeah. thing. Of she all was the such evil. a
1: great yeah, character. For sure. That was, that was the one that I felt um, because everyone else, like I really feel like their story had been told, and the the most interesting thing that they could do for the story now is to be killed, mm-hmm. but Marjorie was the exception where I really felt like there could be more there, but at the same time, what they clearly want to do is they want to have evil supervillain Queen Cersei, and that version of Cersei needs to have eliminated all of her primary enemies. <laughs> um, uh right. leaving her in a broader conflict um externally and then also having the inner turmoil with uh Jamie. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Uh
4: so I did get confirmation there were Tyrell sales in that last scene. So that's very important. Nice. To me at least. <laughs> yeah, banners <laughs> are always important well- to me.
1: All the more evidence, to to support the idea that it's intended to convey that yeah. time has passed.
4: Well, they had all that time to repaint the sails and get the ships ready and all of that, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. I'm just checking the Q&A to make sure we didn't miss anything. Was there any other feedback in the email?
2: Nope. Okay. No. I
0: think we're ready for ratings.
1: Ratings. Who's first? Um,
0: I was going to rate it one out of one cat up for adoption at the Red Keep.
4: Nice.
0: <laughs> Sir Pounce. Oh, Sir
1: Pounce. <laughs> Sir Pounce might be okay, but now he's no, got he no he one did to did take it. care of him. Exactly, he's
0: to up for adoption. Him. Yeah.
1: Um I'm gonna give it nine tenths of a fan theory confirmed.
4: Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, whoops, I put that in the wrong one. I put that in Viv.
3: Viv, what do you got for us? I'm giving it a nine out of ten and I can't think of anything clever. <laughs> nine
4: out of ten, nothing clevers. And I am giving it a ten out of ten fray pies. Those were tasty.
2: <laughs>
4: that brings us to a 9.5 which is not the highest for this season um, and, uh, but I think it's the second highest rated mm. episode this season The Book of the Stranger was the highest and we can go into more of that when we do our wrap up
0: yeah, like I said up top, we're going to take a little time off, just a couple weeks, and then we're going to do that wrap-up. And we've also got uh, the Balticon episode that will be dropped in lieu of an episode next Wednesday. And the um, Vibs notes, and we've got some other special episodes that are going to be coming down the pike. I think that was it for the feedback. Does anybody else have any other thoughts? we no, I think clear we're good. And done. All right. So um, yeah, that's it for us. This is um, wow. I, I you know, we've, we've got the wrap up. So just quite a season. Just it's amazing yeah. that it's now over. Um, I can't believe that it's now over. Like we have to wait a whole year again.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Reset. Uh, but we will talk to you next time.
2: Thanks, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.
3: If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.
2: Even confessing feels good under the right circumstances.